Welcome back to the Carp Chronicles podcast, episode number 49, which would be episode number 51, we deleted two, so it's episode number 49, so welcome along, we're nearly at the magical 5-0, so exciting times ahead, and on that note, I've got exciting news for you today. Now, on several episodes, I've been mentioning my um, high refined milk protein base mix that I've been working on for the last few years and that will soon be out to market And that time is now. It is available to you, the good public. It's been in testing for quite some time, um, a long time, in fact, and it has undergone so many tweaks and so many different testing periods. It is just unreal. Um, It's been quite tiring, but really, really exciting and interesting. But nonetheless, the bait is now available. I'm calling this Hydro Milk on the account of the fact that, well, it's a it's a milk base mix and there are a lot of hydrolyzed milk proteins in there. If you don't know, hydrolyzed milk proteins are extremely attractive to carp. They can be very tricky to use um, and very tricky to use at high levels, not to mention expensive. I mean, all milk proteins these days are very expensive, but no more so than these uh, these specialist hydrolyzed milks. Um, but anyway, it's quite difficult to use these hydrolyzed milk proteins at high levels. Um, I've cracked the code. I've managed to do it. They are in there at high levels. There are more traditional milks in there as well. Calcium caseinate, rennet casein, etc., etc. They're in there as well alongside these modern hydrolyzed milks. And for me, th- this is... This is where it's at with milk protein baits. The inherent issue with milk protein baits is they kind of lock up, they take a long time to break down in the water, and they take a long time to be attractive to carp, and they're just massively indigestible. They will clog the carp up, the carp will stop feeding on them, um, and basically it's just... It's a shame because milk proteins offer such amazing attractive properties and nutritional properties but they're often locked up in this ball that isn't that attractive because it's not being solubilized and it's not that digestible by the carp i've overcome this um it's a a method i use called digestamil which is my own kind of system of additives and, and different things that basically make the milk proteins much more digestible and bioavailable to the carp so when the carp eat these baits it will pass through them in a good amount of time, but more to the point, they'll actually be able to digest the different proteins and goodness and nutrients that's inside the bait. So it's quite complex. As I said, it's taken a long time to get right, um, and it's quite a unique bait. It's very, very different from anything else out on the market. If you're looking for a bait to use that is vastly different from everyone else and that the carp are going to absolutely love and it's going to do them the world of good, then I would strongly recommend you take a look at this bait. Again, it is not a cheap bait because of the high levels of hydrolyzed milks and refined milk proteins in there. But luckily, you don't need to use it in the huge quantities that you would do other baits. So there we go. I, I could literally talk about this bait for a full podcast. I'm thoroughly passionate about it. For the right kind of person, the right kind of angler and the right kind of water, this is absolute gold dust. Um, it's not for everyone. I completely understand that. It's not for every water. It's not for every campaign. Absolutely not. Um, and it, you know, it, if you're unsure if it's for you, reach out to me. 
You know, I'm most active on Instagram, but you can get hold of me on Facebook as well. If you search Carp Chronicles on social media, um, we will pop up. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's a big decision to to switch baits and to get onto a bait and put your faith and confidence in it. It's quite a big deal, you know, as silly as that sounds, it is a big deal because you've got to be confident in it. So if you have any questions, uh, you want to kind of pick my brains about it, by all means, reach out, message me. I will give you as much information as I can on it and make sure it's right for you before you proceed. That's it for the uh, for the bait talk. You can you can find that find it um, on optibaits.com, optibaits.com. You'll be able to order it on the website. Read the blurb about it. Um, and as I said, if you want to ask me questions, reach out on social media. Of course, we have got Stephen White on this episode. But before I mention that, this episode is proudly sponsored by BP Milling. Check them out. If you don't know them already, you really should do. They create sustainable feeds for fisheries and you can find what they're all about at bpmilling.co.uk. Check them out on YouTube as well. He's got some awesome content on there. So this episode is with Mr. Stephen White, who has appeared on this podcast before. Um, We had a two-part episode, I think about two years ago, which went down very, very well. Stephen is super passionate about bait, highly knowledgeable, very interesting. He has very interesting ideas about bait and bait formulation and what you should do in what circumstance. So, yeah, really interesting stuff. This was one episode that we recorded, but I'm going to chop it into two halves because it's well over four hours worth of audio. So just to kind of make it a bit more bite-sized and and, uh, digestible for you pun not intended (laughs) um this is part one and then i'll release part two in a week or so so stephen does mention bait in the first few minutes of this podcast but pretty much the first kind of 50 odd minutes is stephen recounting his um angling since he's been on the podcast so some carpy tales what you know his different captures how he's gone about them um it's a bit of a monologue piece if you like um which is akin to uh to stephen's style he's he's a great talker uh, and he's great at relaying a story so i'm sure you'll enjoy that that those first kind of 50 minutes there's someone for everyone um you don't have to be a bait buff or a bait geek to enjoy that um but then after that that kind of 50-ish minute mark Stephen does start getting into the depths of bait talk um, we talk about fermentate fermentation um, organic acids all, all different kind of stuff and we have a little bit of a, a kind of exchange of, of views on bait and things like that and a similar story for part two which as I said I'll release in a week or so so that's it I feel like I've been waffling for ages in this intro so apologies about that um, nothing more to be said I will leave you with the awesome Stephen White. And I was I was laughing when when um, you and Dean were saying how old you're. You're you're thirty eight, and Dean's what what's Dean? Forty five, forty eight. Too old. Yeah, I'm fifty three in November, mate. You fifty three in November? Yeah. No, Dean Dean's fifty as well. I think, isn't he? I'm sure no. he said he was forty eight or something. He's late forties, I'm sure. Yeah. You're 53. I did not know that. It, 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 well, I'm 52. I'm 52 in 10 months at the moment. But uh, yeah, you, you, you genuinely don't look it. And we were just saying off off air, so to speak, that you're um, you well, we're going off topic already. But you've had some. You're looking very well, and you've lost a lot of weight, and you you're looking very youthful. 
Um, mm. You've been having success with the carnivore diet, haven't you? Yeah, it really, really have. Mm. Um, people are saying I look 10 years younger. Um, I also think it's, a lot of it's the, a, a lot of the omega-3s. I'm smashing the omega-3s in salmon. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, well, when you find out, you know, uh, how, how good that is for you, um, then, then it's no surprise. Um, so, yeah, for the last 12 months, I've basically not been that focused on, on bait, but I've been focused on human nutrition. Um, and it did actually throw something up, um, which has come back round to the carp fishing, which I said something we want to mention is something called the protein leverage hypothesis. Yeah. Um, while I was going down the carnivore route and looking into protein and, and omega-3s and everything, there were these two um, researchers who was on some YouTube channel, and basically they, they said this protein leverage hypothesis, they, they've done everything in fruit flies up, up to all species, and what he was saying is all organisms, all, all sort of animals as such, will keep eating calories until the protein requirements are met. Yeah. And that is the essence of, of, the, of the, the, the protein leverage hypothesis. So, so, so in, well, in fishing terms and human terms, the more protein you get, the less you actually have to eat. Yeah. Because you, you reach satiety because, because you, you've had all your protein needs met. Yeah, especially on top of something like I know you've done keto as well, which is mm. which is protein sparing. So then you've you've got like a, a double pronged uh, approach to it, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, but but then just well, we're off on tangents already, aren't we? But mm. with it comes to carp, you'd think, oh well, got to give them lots of protein then because that's what they need. Well, actually, that's that they're they're therefore going to eat less, aren't they? So you need to yeah, but, but... think a bit clearer about that, you know. Well, how we looked at in carp fishing is. Um... With, with my fish meal bait, which I was using extensively from 2016, well, from 2011, but from particularly on Acton from 2016 to 2018, in, in cold water, I was actually counting the baits and putting them in. Like in the spring when, when it was, you know, like the beast from the east and all that, I was, I was literally counting out 17 baits. And obviously they've got a lower metabolic rate in cold water so mm. i think it's, it's it, in a really rich fish meal i think it's in, in in that context it's really easy to overdo what people say fish meals don't catch in winter it's you're just giving them too much yeah <clears throat> um and it's and, and it, that that explains it perfectly a lot of times we know the mechanic we know the um we know what, it, what what's happening on the ground because we're seeing it. If you if you put a few baits in, you catch. If you put a lot in, you don't. And it, it, if, sometimes you can think, well, well, that isn't the appropriate bait for the, the situation, but it is. It's the amount you've got wrong. Um, just, I mean, just, just as an example, um, I had in twenty six, well, spring twenty seventeen. I had the slope over seventeen baits, and then I had it in twenty seventeen on the on the, the harvest moon in September. I had it over a thousand baits of the same recipe, mm -hmm. and and that is all explained by by the protein leverage hypothesis. I, well, I think it, 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 it does anyway. Yeah, it, yeah, I think. 
partially that and i mean they they just they're not moving as much in the winter anyway so that they just they have less caloric requirement don't they mm, definitely so that there's several things that sort of play into it doesn't isn't there i mean it's, mm. it's, um, but yeah absolutely the your um your hypothesis on on protein sparing and and meat and requirements protein absolutely in mm. like what we're going to jump all over the place. We, we, you need to intro <laughs> us with what you're doing in your angle. But whilst we're on yeah. this, this topic, well, in winter, I mean, are you are you feeling a lot of fat still? Or I know you're big um, on your fats in the summer. What are your thoughts on fats in winter? I've only ever made one dedicated winter bait, um, and it was it's a liver, hemp, and bird food. Mm. Um. My my feelings on on cold true cold water baits. If I was to basically my angling, I, I can't pre bait. I can't put any bait in. Mm. Right? It's got to be instant. But if if I was using a bait which was I was pre baiting with, then it would have no intact proteins in it. Everything would be hydrolyzed, and the rest of it would be carbohydrates and fiber. If you were pre-baiting, you'd have it all of the proteins hydrolyzed. Yeah, Why? in winter, in, in a true cold water bait. Why? What's your thought process um, on that? Got, got transit time. Mm. More any just just got transit time. Um, the proteases are obviously not working at full efficiency. So with everything's, you know, uh, the biggest it's going to be is a tripeptide. Then the protein that the carp needs is all supplied. I suppose the problem is in winter, I mean, you've got to make sure that you're you're on the fish then, don't you? Because you can put bait in in winter and the carp are very inactive. They might not come across that for for many, many days, in which case the hydrolyzed proteins are, are obviously that there's downsides to that, isn't there? Yeah, so some of it will, will leach out. But to be fair, I, I wouldn't if I was pre-baiting it, I, I would, that wouldn't bother me. If they don't eat it, they don't eat it. But if they do eat it, then it's, it's instantly digestible in in that they have to do very little work with the proteases to, to absorb those aminos. Yeah, they don't they don't have a massive requirement for protein anyway, um, and the fiber will shove it through. I mean, in cold water, yes. I mean, some of the um, some of the diantripeptides will will leach out without a doubt, but it's, it's still you're still left with with the carbohydrates. And the fiber anyway there'll be something there because baits don't break down in cold water do they that not as quickly as in warm water no, no. um you've got less um or few, fewer benthic organisms which are going to break it down as well um so, so, so that wouldn't that wouldn't bother me but the point is when they come across it they're on it straight away and it's going to go through them quickly so so that's how i would um i, I would approach a cold, a cold water bait a true cold water bait Mm. Um, what I have been doing in cold water in the spring in acting is, is not putting any boiling in at all. Um, it's just putting a bit of slop in and then fishing fishing it over over a hook bait. Yeah, when you say slop, just just some like cr crumbs of food and and a load of liquids. Um, yeah, just, just, well, well, not even crumb, um, just liquidized fermented particle. Yeah, just a, just a couple of spots over the top over, over a, a food bait hook bait, um, and that's been doing well. The, the last two seasons, I've had the first original out of acting in in the spring 
the, the first original what's come out, I've had it both both years. So that so in, in the cold water, it, that seems to be working. Yeah. Um. So so that that's what I've been doing in the spring. But you you got to remember in the spring as well, they're moving about more. The water might be just as cold as winter, but but because of the um the daylight length, the fish and moot are still active. Yeah, I think as soon as those days start to draw out as well, the the carp know, don't they? And they sort of have this switch, I think. This yeah, is backed definitely. up by science, just by experience, that they feel like they need to get around and they need to start fueling themselves. That's mm. what it seems like, doesn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, but I, I just haven't seen, when I've been fishing boilers, until you get to first, second week of April, um, I've, I've, I've had some really good success on on the slop over over a, a hook bait. Um, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go through that when we go through what, what I did like this spring because um, I had a good a good spring this year as well. Yeah, it's perfect. So, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it maxed yeah. loads of attraction. Get the carp in minimal <laughs> minimal food items to pick up. You know, they're they're not going to get. Well, there's only really a hook bait, isn't there? Exactly. Big carp swims it swims into slop. There's mm. a lot there. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a rough like spring, spring twenty twenty one. Obviously, we had a bit of lockdowns, and and you know, um, and then everybody wanted to, once we could get out, everybody wanted to get out. Um, so so the, the the lakes were busy. Um, I managed to just before the end of the season, I managed um, a thirty one, um, well, a lovely orangey mirror I hadn't had before, and then a, a thirty two fourteen, um, and then the season was over. Um, I did a bit on Girton, um, had a few fish out, but nothing of, of note. Um, and then we started back in, in June on Acton. First, first day back, literally the, the, the carp started spawning, so I was there for a few hours and then 100-mile round trip, you know, back home. So 200-mile round trip for a few hours was uh, was garbage. <laughs> no idea. No, but it just happens. It just the weather in, in recently has just just been a nightmare for the spawning cycles. You know, yeah. it's hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold. Um, and then the week after I went back, and they were still spawning on the, the top lake. Oh, they, were, they were in spawning mode, and there were a few fish spawning, and some were. It was just a nightmare. So I went on the lower. Um, I had a couple of stockies. I had a, a great social one. A lad's uh, a lad called Dean. Um, because he, he was the same, he said, we'll have a social. He went to the side of me, um, and we just sat there. Yeah, he, he's got a cob barbecue, and this, this is before I started my uh, my, my carnivore diet, but we, he was just cooking some bacon on, on his cob, um, and his, his rod rips off, uh, and he, he caught, caught the second biggest fish in the lake, a fish called white tips, um, which was which was the um, the fish which was on the, you know, the, the promo you did for, for, the, for the first podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the big black fish which you put on there—that's white tips, <clears throat> right? Um, so we had that, and that we, we got some amazing. Um, it was like ten o'clock in the morning in June, so, so we got some amazing uh, pictures for him. Um, and unfortunately, that fish has died now. So um, it was it was a, a really good capture. And then, sort of towards the end of June, I went up on I went up on the top lake again because that's where my targets are. Um, um, first first proper trip on the top lake had a um a, a nice thirty two. Um the game plan basically was was to that was out of African was was to target 
the, the, I had a, the start of that season, the start of the June 2021 season, I had a list of 10 fish, 10 originals I wanted to, to, com, to basically complete the set on act. And, and there's so many beautiful originals in there. I'm greedy enough to, to want every single one. Um, so so the, the game plan was these 10 fish, there's a good chance of they coming out of conquering African rather than anywhere else. So I thought if I, can, if I can get in those two swims, whether or not fish are there, then that's where I'm going to go. Um, just to try and maximise my chances of, of catching th these fish. Um, because num number one on my list of, of fish was the picture I sent you earlier. Did you see that one, Ryan's mirror? I didn't reply, mate. Sorry, but yeah, I, I no, saw did those. You see it? Yeah, that is yeah. just carp porn, isn't it? It's not that. It's not a million miles away from from that white tips, is it? It's, it's, it's um, like a leather looking thing, male big pecs, sort of. Yeah, same kind of tail. To me, they are, but because I've looked at the pictures for, for sort of seven years, <laughs> so, so, so I, know, I know them intimately. I mean, the different shapes, like yeah, right, a little bit. He's mega, he's really long when you see it. Right. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. They're, they're, I suppose they're all they're all unique to me. But if, if you're not experienced it, then uh, you probably if you're not seen them on the bank as well, because a picture doesn't always do justice to the sheer length of the fish. Yeah, they're definitely um, different, but they're they're of a similar ilk. Yeah, I yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's not like a fully scaled or what have you, is it? But um, but yeah, that, that that that's that's my number one target. It's, it's just a beautiful fish in 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 the flesh. So I was, so so I was concentrate on these swims. So and then the end of June, um, I went in and I had um, an absolute beast of a fish called straight tail. Well, we call it straight tail. Um, just under 38, um, and it, it was just all over the lake. It, it's a, a big male, and it just beasted me. It still had its tubercles up. I had, I had just massive clods of silkweed on the line. So my line was going straight down into the water with like 15 stone of silkweed on it and the fish trailing behind, and it was just – I had to keep stopping. And, and uh, basically the, the technique I've developed is, is turn round, put my clutch on dead light, and then as the silkweed – it jams the tip ring so as it travels past you, try and grab it and just rip the silkweed off because it's quite fibrous. It's just a nightmare. Um, anyway, that fish stayed on and ended up netting it, so I was, I was really happy about that. Um, and had another original at 29. Um, so that was, that was a wicked trip at the end of June. It started settling down from the spawning cycle then. Um, and then we got into – that was out of Conquer as well. And then we got into July. Um, another fish I really, really wanted, literally giving me left nut for, was a fish called the Big Leather. Um, and it's a 40-pound leather, which I don't, I don't know what you were like when you were, you were sort of coming up in, in carping, but the sort of triumvirate then was you want a 40-pound mirror, a 40-pound leather, and a 40-pound common. Mm. Um, and I thought my only chance of a true 40-pound leather was, was this Big Leather, but it doesn't come out much. Anyway, a mate of mine, the lad in the picture who had Ryan's mat, he's braced the big leather twice with with a thirty five pound fish. Um, so, so obviously they, they sort of swim together. They, they get when the big leather comes out, it quite often gets braced with this fish. Anyway, so I have this thirty five pound fish, and I'm thinking I've got I'm getting the big leather. I'm getting the big leather. I'm in the swim. It comes out of, and then I had a take. And I, and, and I had a, a swivel, a child swivel break on me. Lost a big fish. 
one of the, the Carter chub swivels snapped on me. I was absolutely wounded. It just, I just, I was just like, that, well, that's my chance of it because it, it just does not come out much. And I thought, that, that's it, it's gone. Did I hear you right? You said the swivel broke. Yeah, the the the, the chub swivel snapped, right. and they're supposed to have a fifty pound test. Jeez, jeez. But no, it's obviously it's obviously faulty. Oh yeah, yeah. What, um, what's, I have... what's a chod swivel? Well, it's like it's like a size eleven ring swivel, but Carter do one with a little groove in the top, so you can put putty around it. <laughs> okay. Um, but but I've stopped using. I've started using the Nash one now. The, the Nash um, the Nash um, size eleven, and they they seem bulletproof. But I was absolutely gutted. Yeah. Um. That, that was traumatic. Um. And I had, I had another fish called the car crash, which is which is an acting character. Ultra spawned out just over the thirty one pound the car crash common. You show me but that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's got the face all mangled in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's just, it's just, but it, because it's the only fish in the lake that's not immaculate, it's, I mean, it's got a beautiful body. I, we also call it the Bob Fock, you know, body off Baywatch, face off Crime Watch. <laughs> it's um, body of Barbie, face of Ken. It's got, a, it's a lovely chestnut fish. And it's actually my PB UK common, which is a bit of a, I can't get past it. I've had it at 35. Four, but I just can't get past that size of a common. They can't get a big common. Um, so, so, so that's yeah. The car crash. I mean, it's just it's died this season, unfortunately, because the action fish are really old. They, they were stocked in sort of between ninety two and ninety four. So, they, you know, they could have been I don't know three to five, six, seven years old when they went in. So, they sort of mid. You know, they're getting on for mid thirties. They might be thirty five. They might be a bit older. So. You know, the longevity is an issue now, so that's yeah. why I'm, I'm so urgent to to, um, to get on with it. Um, and then, sort of, sort of second week in July, I went back and I got in con. Basically, what happened was with the, the Euros were on in June 2021, and an actor was empty. It was, and I got in conquer for I got an African in the opening week. Well, the third week of the season. For the first time, you could actually fish it without them spawning. And then the next four weeks, I got in conquest four weeks on the bounce, which is, you know, when a swim's hot, you can't get in it, generally speaking. Um, so, and we had, we had low pressure conditions. It was warm, but low pressure. And there was no one on the lake. And I was getting in to swim I wanted to be in. So it, it was just awesome. Um, so then the second week of July, um, I had a, a fish called Scar, um, 41.6, um, a fish I desperately wanted as well. Um, I photographed it probably four or five times over the years for other people. Um, lovely big male. And, and uh, yeah, I had that in my net. So that was about two in the morning. Another silkweed drama. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was overjoyed. So that was a really good start to the season. Um, and then what happened then? Just having, oh, then the next two weeks I got tensed out. The, the, the cart went moody. Um, and for whatever reason, the tench was just showing up about lunchtime and just clearing you out of bait. So the next couple of trips, we, we just, uh, we just, uh, we just tensed it to, so that wasn't great. But there you go. And then what happened after that? Oh, yeah. Basically, I, I, um, I couldn't get down then for six weeks. So I missed, 
um, sort of the arse end of basically from the fifth of August up until fourteenth of September. I couldn't I couldn't get down. Um, so and it was and you seeing everybody on Facebook catching and, and people messaging you and this you know saying they were catching. It was a traumatic experience. Mm. People like like having bants, so uh, it wasn't great. So I went back on Tuesday the fourteenth of September twenty one. And that was the day I started my uh, my keto journey. So uh, yeah, that was the first time that I've not had pasture on the bank at Acton for uh, <laughs> a good few years. Hmm. Um, got back in Conquer, which was amazing. Um, and first fish was a, a repeat of straight tail, about a pound down, but thirty six and a half. Absolute mental fight. Um, there was a guy in another swim, like Cordino, who was a real character. Um, and he said, he said, I look like Harry Potter waving my rod about, you know, trying to pull the soapweed out because he could just see me and, and just change his direction on the fish because it was just all over the lake. It's an absolute animal. Um, a good 45-minute scrap just in between cl- clearing soapweed off and it just plowing through weed beds and just just not behaving at all. Um, and then just what, when was the day after? I think the day after I had, um, had the fish called Big Pex. Um, a fish I, I really, really wanted. I've seen some mega pictures of it. Um, it had never been out while I've been on the lake. Um, but I've seen, I know people have, you know, it came out once Once it came out while I was on the lake. Um, but I've never seen it in the flesh, but I've seen loads of pictures. Um, and yeah, off the uh, the same spot. Basically, I, I had straight tail at some silly time, did a recast in the dark, Um and I just, you just know when it when it goes down on this spot that you're on the spot. And it, I don't know, that, that's all. That's good. Got back in bed, um, and then that ripped off on the recast about an hour later, which doesn't normally happen on Acton with the disturbance. And, and Big Pex was forty five two, so I was absolutely buzzing for the first because I hadn't been down for six weeks. So I was so happy when I got back, um, you know, and, and that I was desperate for that fish. That was sort of. My second to third most wanted after Ryan's. My top three at the time where I wanted Ryan's, I wanted the big leather and I wanted big pecs. Um, so I had one of those and I was I was overjoyed. Um, then what happened after that? Uh, not a lot, to be fair. Um, rest of September was pretty <clears throat> crap. Um, not a lot happened. And then towards the end of October, I'm trying to find out what's going on here. And then towards the end of October, uh, 24th of October, um, I went in a, a swim called Steps. And sometimes they get in there on a pressure drop. If they're on that side of the lake, it's, it's sort of, it's two thirds down the lake on, on, the, on the hillside. And sometimes you'll turn up on a pressure drop. So I thought, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. It's not the comfiest swim. It's on a bit of a steep slope and you... It isn't great as a swim, but they can turn up there. And when they turn up there, they're there to feed. Um, so, and, and there was a lot of bloodworm in the lower third of the lake um, opposite that swim. Um, so I thought I'd risk that. Um, turned up, and the, the other thing is, um, Ryan's comes uh, has come in October from that swim. Um it's a bit lower down the lake, but it but it sometimes turns up lower down the lake on a pressure drop. 
Mm-hmm. So, because my mate Friday had it the year before on, a, on a, an absolute beast of a, of a, a storm, an absolute animal of a storm and a massive pressure drop. And he braced it with big pecs the year before. So I thought October pressure drop, it's looking good. So I found, I found a nice, like a longish spot there. Um, anyway, first night, half past nine, I was just nodding off in bed and, and it absolutely ripped off. I mean, ripped off, but it kited to, to the right and that there's a lot of overhanging bushes to the right and you can't wade out because it starts getting a bit deeper and, it, and the silt's a bit mad. Um, so, so I had this fish on and I knew straight away it was massive. Um, and it was, it was just holding on a long line. It stopped kiting, it just held on a long line and was just banging its head. And I couldn't move it at all. I just could not move it. And there's no weed down there. It's just, it's just silty. And, and it just, just probably, I don't know, five, ten minutes, it just sat there banging its head. Um, and I just thought, I've lost it. I've no chance of getting it past it because it kited um, to, to my right. There's all these massive overhanging sort of willows. I thought, I've, I've just, I've lost this fish. So I resigned myself to the fact that I, I was losing it. Um, and then after about, Maybe 10, 15 minutes when he just sat there banging his head and just not doing anything. But it wasn't, the kiting wasn't getting any worse. Um, so I just put the rod tip, I, I, I felt it move a little bit. So I just banged the rod tip right under the water and just started pumping, like like really brutally pumping it. Um, I thought, well, either the hook's going to pull or I'm going to get it past these trees. Um and, and, and I got it, it just came in a straight line. It didn't kite, it didn't go left or right. It literally came in a straight line. I think I just confused it with the rods it being under the water, to be fair. Um, and then I got it in front of me, um, netted it, and it was the, the, the otter tail mirror at £47. Um, nice. I'd, had it, I'd, had, I'd had it in 2018, mega spawned out under 40 um, and I always thought, well, if you get an act, one of the acting A team under 40 when they spawn out, you feel a bit cheated. Um, I, I know everybody says, oh, you've caught it, it doesn't matter, but you just look immense. When, when, when they're sort of eight, nine pound heavier, you just look, you just look the picture. And the, the OT, as it's known, is a stunning fish. I know they all look the same to you, but cl- close up, <laughs> it's got lo- lovely starbursts on its tail. It's just the character of a fish. Um, but the other thing is, in September and October, it's been braced with Ryan's three times. So I'd caught it within sort of six, seven hours of being there. So for the rest of the 48, I was just sweating. I didn't get another run, but if I, if I got another run, I think I would have had a heart failure. <laughs> I think I'd have died. <laughs> but anyway, nothing else happened. And, that, and basically, that was, that was um, the autumn over with on, on, on the top lake. That was my last fish of of, uh, of the trip. Well, how long, of the, of the how long have you? Um, sorry, mate. How long have you been fishing Acton now? I mean, this well, that was my sixth season then. I'm now into my seventh now. Jeez. Oh, yeah, got... I never thought I'd stay on a lake that long, but no. I just, I just the last few I want, I want the full set. Mm. I want to catch every fish in the A team and a few others. So how many more have you got got to catch before you move on? Um, well, there's four left, but I've settled on two. There's right. Ryan's, which I sent the picture of. There's the, the sergeant, which I sent the picture of underneath. Um, 
and then there's one called the Lord Lucan, which is a skate, which has got some scales on it and massive tail scales that does about 39. And then there's a fish called the Drop Tail Common, which is super long common. But you you, you want to catch that in the spring because it, it it spawns out to about 35, and then it doesn't put any weight on till about February. So 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 if you want it at a decent weight, because I want to beat my PB Common, I'm desperate for a 40 pound Common. I'd, I'd I'd love to catch the the Drop Tail in the spring, mm. um, which which will lead on to something I'm going to tell you about in a bit because. I went after the drop tail this spring and something really good happened. So, yeah, so back to spring 22. So we went back on in this spring. No lockdowns this spring, which was uh, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just find my diary because I'm getting old and everything's uh, a mystery. So, yeah, I did a couple of trips in uh, February, but nothing happened. Um, 6th of March, I had the first original out. A starburst at 3310, but I've had it before. But it's just nice to know that they're starting waking up. I had that at a conquer, which was uh, which was nice. And then the 15th of March, I went in a swim called Oak, and basically, I've got um, some longer spots there. Um, and I'm, I have the OT again. <laughs> the the, the, the 24, well, not even 24 hours into the trip, at the OT again at 46.6, mm-hmm. which, um, so, so then I thought, Ryan, as soon, soon as you catch the OT, you always think you're going to, there's a chance of Ryan's next. So again, I had another 24 hours where my, where my bum hole was uh, twitching, but nothing happened apart from a stocky on that one. But I mean, still a, to catch a, you know, an up, an, a mid to upper 14, 15th of March is, 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 is decent anyway. Yeah. Um, now that time it didn't. It just it, basically what happened was um, there's loads of well two swans and a load of coots. So I backleaded. The weed wasn't that bad, so I backleaded, um, and basically the fish had, had swung back on, swam back on the backlet right towards me, and then and then gone up the, the left me left hand margin. I caught it sort of sixty odd yards in front of me, and it's it's round the side. But basically what had happened is. It, as it kited, it dragged one back lead across the other one. So, so my left hand rod, I caught it on the right hand rod, but I didn't know. My left hand rod started bending round at a rate or not. So I went, the rods are out in the water. So I'm into the chest, it's flying out into the thing. Pick the left hand rod up, nothing there. So then I, I work out what's happening, pick the right hand rod up. Um, and then this fish is, is basically it swam 60 yards towards me. It, it, it's only a few yards out with a massive clod of, of siltweed on it. Um, so, so I, I just sort of wound it in quick, netted it in a big ball of weed. And then I only thought it was small, and then it turned out it was the OT again. So that was a, that was a repeat capture. But at least I got some daytime shots this time. Um, and then what happened that? had a blank after that. Um, ah, yes. Talking about the, uh, the drop tail. The drop tail in, in the spring comes out of the dam quite a few times, in quite a few years it's done that. Um, so on the 1st of April, I went in a swim called um, Potbeds, which is which is the corner of the dam because it's got a form for being caught there and I've, I've spent a lot of time in that swim. Um, so I know it really well. So I thought, sweet, the drop tail's coming out, I'm having the drop tail. And the, also the sergeant comes out of that swim as well, so I was... Uh, two and I thought Ryan's won't be out now 
so so that's what I'm doing. Anyway, so I went in that swim, um, set up um, first night. I had um, just an absolutely savage take, and it was running sort of down the dam towards the sort of bit of vegetation over it, and it was all grating, and I thought, oh, no good. Um, it was dark, but it was it was sort of it was just it was just going dark anyway. An absolutely savage bite off this fish, and it picked up my right arm rod. I had this on my middle rod. It picked up my right hander, so I'm pl- I'm playing it on two rods. I'm shouting up the lake. There's a, a, the kid who had the, the sergeant, the picture I sent you, um, he's called Chris. I call him Cousin Chris because he's, he's, he's the cousin to one of the other anglers. So we just call him Cuz so we know we can differentiate between the Chris's. Anyway, I'm shouting at him. He, he's, a, he's, a, sort of, he's on a snooze in his bivy. He can't hear me. So I've got an absolute disaster going on, like playing this fish on two, two rods. Anyway, I get it in. It's a 32 mirror, lovely original male. Um, looks like all the other ones. <laughs> and uh yeah so, so so chris comes down and does does my pictures um and then i've got i've only got one rod in play and it's dark by this stage so basically you're trying to three rod trick one over um so it took me from it took me up until 11 p.m to get both rods out um the banker rod i was expecting to catch on it literally took me three hours to get that rod sorted in the dark it was just it just Comedy of errors, honestly, it was unbelievable. And then my, my right hand, I had, I had to cut a load of line off, set it up, literally recast in the dark and got a perfect drop. And I just thought, oh, that would be nice. Thought nothing of it, went to bed. Um, and then the following morning at half 10, um, got a take and it came in like a bream. Um, and then the, I was just about like netting. I couldn't because I'm out in the water in my chest because you can't really see what, what you're playing. It, you know, they're just turning in the water. You can't see them. It didn't fight at all. Anyway, these fucking massive lips come up. And I thought, Those are, that's the big lever. Just from the, literally from the lips, I knew it was a big lever. I've never seen it on the bank. I've just looked at so many pictures of it. But that's the big lever. And I thought, no, it can't be. It's in pot beds. It's never come from pot beds while I've been a member. Um, but anyway, I netted it, and, and lo and behold, it was a big leather um, off a swim that it doesn't come out of, which was just mental. Um, and, but it was under 40. It was, it was 38.7. Um, but I was, I was just absolutely overjoyed um, because I never after losing it, I just never thought I was going to catch it again. Um, well, I, I didn't know I lost it, but after the, the broken swivel malarkey, I thought, well, that's my chance gone. Um, so yeah, the big lever got a mega pick. Um, nice water shot of it. Um, just a beautiful big leathery old fish. Um, so I thought that's my chance of a forty pound leather gone, but I'm not asked because I've caught it. You know, it's 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 a rare visitor. Um, so that that was uh, that was the first of April. So not much of an April fool. And then on Sunday, went the last trip of the season. Basically, this this. Every, when Rob closes the lake for open access. He basically people can rent full weeks, um, so they can get a taste of the lake and what have you. And Ryan's comes out the first week of open access every season, nearly. It doesn't it doesn't come out on the syndicate in the spring normally. But this year, this this spring was the trees were like three or four um, weeks in front. They were budding early. The weather was fine. 
and I just thought it's coming out. It's coming out a week early, definitely. Um, and I, I never do uh, three nights. I, I can only do two nights. Um, but because it's the last week of the season, you you can either do forty hours a week or seventy two or fortnights. Um, but on the, because it's the last trip and you're not coming back, you can do three on the last week. Um, so so I've thought it's definitely coming out. Um, I'll just tell you this before before I start this right. In in the October, um, I went in I went in a, a swim called pot beds for the sergeant. I knew it was I, I was absolutely guaranteed it was coming out. This was um, October twenty one. Went in pot beds thinking sergeant's coming out all day. My mate Terry came down. He went two swims up from me, and then he comes wandering down about ten eleven o'clock. Uh, I've got one. <laughs> so I, he want, he wants me to go and do a picture. I go up to him. Get it on the mat. It's a sergeant at his biggest ever weight, forty two pounds. <laughs> so that was uh, so I knew it was coming out, but um but uh, I saw call friend Carter. Anyway, back to this back to spring seventeenth uh, of April. I did I did I did two two nights, um and to do my third night I had to drive. I did a two hundred mile round trip to go and walk my dogs to come back so I could do the final eighteen hours. I was that convinced that Ryan's was coming out. So I left the lake about 10 o'clock, got back about 5, 6 o'clock to do like 18 hours. Anyway, sat, sat there at um, about half 11 midnight in the bivvy. I just had a, a 29.8 stocky, um, put it back, just sat there. My mate Terry comes wandering around. I've got an upper 30. All right, so I went, went doing his pictures. And he, he was he was he was in his net. He was rolling it up in the net to, to um, put it in the sling. I said, "That's Ryan's mate." The length of it is just massive. Anyway, so, so we get it on the mat. It is Ryan's forty-seven three. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew it was coming out. So 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 my so-called mate Terry has had me two top target fish, <laughs> both at the top weights at the time, and I've had to do the pictures. <laughs> Talk about rubbing my face in it. Savage, mate. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. After a 200-mile round trip as well. Yeah. Just, just for 18, an extra 18 hours thinking it's coming out. So, so the, the season started great because I caught... Basically, out of me 10, I knocked six off the list yeah. of, of 10 originals, and, and five of them I had twice. So it was sort of... It was job done. Um, but, but the two... The two uh, the two knock the polish off it because, because you know I had to do the pictures of both of them. So uh, yeah, fair play, Terry. Um, That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, but it happens. I, I'm never bitter when someone catches a fish. No, then no, I, no. I'm absolutely overjoyed for them because I know what it means to me. So you know, if, if someone someone catches it, whether they pub chuck it or they do it with great skill and dedication, then they've caught that fish, and you can't take that away from them. So fair play to him. It always makes me think, you know, like you get um, you get your school report and it says must try harder, <laughs> written in red. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it does to me. So yeah, so so that was the 2021-22 season over with. Um, the only thing of note that the October I didn't re- because I was I, I had six weeks off. I didn't really get to Grenville last year. Um, I went down, the only fisher, I went down a couple of times. I went once in September, a couple of times, once in October, and a couple of times in November. But in October, um, 
I had a 34-10 common, which was like a few ounces under my PB. And I, I've, sort of, I've had two feet, I've had two commons out of uh, Grenville at 34-10 and 34-12. Um, my sort of aim is to get a 40 out. There's about seven 40-pound commons in there now. Out of about 1,800 fish, I remember it. So there's not many in. But I would just love to get one of the Grenville commons. But uh, it wasn't to be. Because when I saw that pop up, Basically, what happened was I was in a swim, which is in a little bay. I was fishing at uh, 96 yards. And I seen some bubbling sort of about 40 yards out. In a re- there's a really deep hole close in in this swim. And I didn't know whether it was the bottom, just because it's a big gravel pit. I didn't know whether it was just the bottom gaffing up or there were actually fish there. So it was looking dead anyway. So I just whacked a solid bag on. So I thought I just pub chucked it. To, to these bubbles and then catapulted um well basically I catapulted me nut I made some nut mix, some high fat nut mix for the summer and then because for acting and then I ended up not being able to fish. So I had a, a reasonable quantity of this this nut mix still in the freezer. And one of them was in a bucket um in the sort of in liquid. Um so they were quite soggy and quite soft. Anyway, they catapulted out 40 yards and then within, within a couple of hours and it absolutely smoked off the tip just went bang because it, I was literally fishing in 26 foot of water at 40 yards. So, so it, your line's going straight down off the rod tip. Yeah. The rod tip just went bang down. Um, and it was a lovely 34-10 common, absolutely pristine. That, that, was, that, was, that was it for, for Grenville for, for basically that season. I had that and a couple of, uh, couple of small ones. Um, don't, don't see many people using a catapult these days, do you? Well, Gr- Grenville's super long range. Um, mm. Apart from like sort of late spring, early summer, sometimes they come close in. Um, but I, I spot, I spot everything. I haven't used a catapult since twenty sixteen, really. When I came up with with the, the theory about when I mentioned last time, when a bit tight baiting on action to get the to get the big ones before they put the stockies in. Basically, from the end of start of 2017, I started spotting, mm. even just just boily. Um, so I haven't used it. All my catapult elastics were all knackered. It was like an old man's underpants, and it was just look. It was only 40 yards. Um, so, but yeah, but then that just ripped off within a couple of hours, and then that was a, a lovely bar of gold. Um, but yeah, but I mean, every, you know, the, the lads on on Grenville, some of them are just absolute animals. They can chuck like one. 150, 160, 170, some of them. You're just, you're just animals. I can't Crazy. do it. So, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's an art form in itself. It's, it is, you know, mate. Yeah, it fair, is. Fair play to them. I mean, Terry Edmonds is on there this season. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. An absolute beast. Mm. So, yeah, so um, that was that was sort of up to sort of summer 2022 20, this, this, this summer. Um, anyway, I went back to the first trip. Action opened on the Monday. There was the draw. There was, I think, it was about eleven or twelve there on the draw. I couldn't get down for the draw, so ended up going on the Sunday at the end of the opening week. Anyway, they hadn't spawned again, um, so I thought, right, I'm going in pot beds for, for the for the drop tail because if it hasn't spawned, it's a chance it'll be forty pound. Um, you know, thirty nine forty pounds. So I thought, sweet, I'm going in pot beds. If, if it was free, all the way down, I think I'm going in pot beds, going in pot beds, going in pot beds. Anyway, it turns up pot beds is free. 
drops in pot but I think you know I'm going to do my best to get the big common um, and what happens on my banker spot I get a take does absolutely fuck all nothing happens get in the water to net it but pops his lips again I thought he's <laughs> a big lever again <laughs> nets it it is a big lever and it was 41.6 so I got my 40 pound lever I've only been in that swim twice in 2022, and both trips I've had the big lever out. Which, which what? Sorry, which fish is this? What's it called? The big lever. Just, just called the big lever. Okay. Yeah, and I had like I had it in the spring at 30, 38.7, uh, and it, it never comes out of pot beds. And then the second time I go in pot beds to start of the season, I have it again. But I had it at forty one six, so I had my forty pound. Yeah, I had your forty. The only thing what took the polish off catching it at thirty eight seven was one. It should have been bigger, so I was concerned because when yeah. the big fish start dropping, then it's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And secondly, I thought that's my only chance of a true forty pound English leather. You know, um, so it was like, no, no, yeah, it could, have, it could have been a bit, it could have been a bit bigger, but I, I mean, I was overjoyed to catch it because I, you know, I've never seen it on the bank, um, and I, I just really wanted it. It's just a mega to me. It's a mega fish. Um, so yes, yeah, so to catch it again over forty, I was just absolutely overjoyed. Um, I know, I know, repeats aren't the one, but <laughs> I don't mind when when it's a fish you want so badly. Is it is it a true true leather with with the leather? Um, it's not a new, it's not a nude leather, but it's a true leather. It's got a couple of tiny 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 marks on its on the wrist of its tail. How many um, did you count the rays on the anal fin? No, but it's, it's definitely a leather. Right. That's it's the way to tell. I don't know if you know yeah. that. I, I remember Simon Scott going going through it in detail. Um, but it, is, it's, it hasn't got any scales and it's completely nude apart from there's a couple of lines on its, on its the wrist of its tail. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just a, a mega fish. Massive bump on its head. A gob you could get an orange in. It's just, just a lovely fish. Um, so yeah, so that that was great. Um, went back the week after and went into first bay because Terry had the, had, had the um, Ryan's at a first bay. Basically, I was concentrating on four swims because I only had four fish left. Now I wanted to catch in twenty two. The drop tail and the sergeant, and they both. Well, the side, they, they come from all over the lake. Um, and then you've got the Lucan, which ne- doesn't come out often and comes out the top end of the lake. And Ryan's basically comes out the top end of the lake in four swims. So I was concentrating on first bay, oak, um, conquer and African. So I was, I was thinking, if I can get in any of those four swims, I'm just going to fish them no matter what this season. Um, so the second trip, I went in um, in first bay. Um I just had a stocky and then I was seeing fish show to my left. So I, I had a good lead about and found a lovely little spot um, to my left. Um, and it just felt nice. So I put, I put quite a decent hit of bait on it and um, some barley and some, some maize. Um, we'll talk about the maize as well. Remember we had a conversation. I said I wanted to have a bacterially dominated maize ferment. You probably won't remember that because your memory is Garbage, in it. Do you remember we, we had we had a messenger conversation about about fermented particles? Yeah, 
Sorry, mate. <clears throat> I no, was listening. Right. I was just off mic because I, uh, I just went and grabbed a beer. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Uh, we had a conversation on Messenger about fermented particles. We did. Mm. Um, and I, and I was what I was trying to achieve with maize is a bacterially dominated ferment because I used to do a lot of high alcohol, actually fermenting particles with yeast and, sugar, and maltose or sugar or molasses or whatever. Yeah. But I wanted to to basically get a bacterially dominated one and see see what the difference was. But I, I think you remember the discussion. We said basically grains. If if you do a natural ferment, then grains can there's there's yeast and bacteria in the air. So so when you do a natural ferment, you tend to get one or the other on on, on carbohydrate particles like maize and and pigeon condition and what have you. One being uh, dominant, you mean? Well, well, basically, carbohydrate particles like maize and wheat and barley will tend to select, to some extent, for yeast because because that's the substrate. They'll also they'll also bacteria will obviously act on them as well. But if you get enough alcohol off the yeast, it'll kill the bacteria. Yeah. So so, so what I was trying to so. so Basically, when people ferment maize, for instance, they even describe the smell as either boozy or cheesy. If, if you get a boozy smell, then obviously alcohols and yeast has, 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 has dominated. If you get a cheesy smell, then that tends to suggest you've had a bacterial ferment. So what I wanted to try and get, get the bacterial ferment. Anyway, for one batch, I managed, I managed to get it. I, I put... Um, I managed to get some, basically put some lactobacillus in it and, and it went really milky. Um, and, and it just looked right. You, you know, when you, when you, I'd had it sort of 12 months. And I'd also put some, um, I had a bacterial, um, bacterially dominated ferment on, on some hemp. So I took some of the juice out of that, basically inoculated the, the maize with it to try and get a, use it as a starter. Um, and I left that sort of 12 months and then it just looked, when I pulled the crusty lid off it, it just looked really, really carpy and, and, and good. Anyway, my point of telling you that is, I found this new spot and I gave it a decent hit of, of the Golden Balls boilies, but a decent hit of this maze. Um, and literally within two hours of, of leading about and spotting, which normally kills it for a good six to 12 hours, um, it, it absolutely smoked off in the afternoon, about three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, got beaten up by a fish, and it was a, a fish called a peach at 42.5. Um, absolutely mega fish. I mean, I've, I have had it before. I've had it, I've had it before. Um, but it, it, it's just, just a mega fish. And I, was, I, I thought, well, that's, that's obviously a good spot. Um, so yeah. so that, was, that, that was a, a mega trip. But it's also valid it. Not, I mean, it's only happened once, but it seemed a validation for, for the fermented maize as well. Yeah. You, I, had 20, I had 25 litres of it as well, so I was thinking, we'll give this a bash, <laughs> see what happened. Um, so then I went back in that swim the week after and had a couple of stockies. Um, and then week after that, it was the 26th of June, I had, had a fish. A little, there's a little mad common called Finny the Common. It's got an enormous tail. But it gets braced with the biggest fish in the lake, the slope. Um, 
the first time I had the slope, I braced it with Finney. Um, so I was thinking, and then I had another fish, a, a 29 original male, and I braced that with the slope as well. So I thought, I, mean, I don't actually necessarily want to catch the slope, but I thought, this trip, I'm, I've had two fish I've braced with the slope before. I thought, I'm having the slope here. The slope's about, anyway, nothing happened. So, <laughs> so, so that was uh, incorrect. But uh, yeah, so so that was uh, end of June. And then where are we up to now? And then, then just July and, and August was just garbage. Absolute garbage. <laughs> Super high temperatures. But, you know, the heat wave at like 40 degrees. I, I did 12 nights, six trips. That's 12 nights. And I had two stockies for my trouble and a tench. It was just, honestly, it was just painful. It was sweating your knackers off. Um we were just sat in the weed, just, just shite. <laughs> but you just got to keep going because you never know. Got to keep um, going, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just. I mean, I love being an actor anyway. It's just, it's just a, a beautiful place. Um, but it was just um, insane. Plus, doing the carnivore, so you, you like, you know, you smashing sort of getting on for a kilo of meat a day. <laughs> so yeah, I want to. I want to come on to that in a bit, actually, because. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a bit of a thing in itself, isn't it? Kicking on the back. Yeah. Just to go back, I think you sent me a picture of the peach, or I saw it somewhere. Um, yeah. It kind of looks like all the other fish in there. Um, <laughs> You're a philistine. This uh, soulless, soulless lever-looking thing. Anyway, um, and how many joking me? Um, so you you caught that on the fermented particles, right? And, and, um, the, and the golden, the, the, the Grenville's golden balls as well. In, in the Grenville golden balls, yeah, yeah. What's your reason for wanting the microbial, the, the bacterial fermentation on your particles? Organic acids. Which quite, are quite... What, what? Acetic well, acid? Well, you, you're probably getting... If you, if, when you get a yeast ferment, basically what all you're really doing is, is alcohol. I mean, yeast, yeast have certain... I think they have certain proteases in them as well, but... Predominantly, you're looking at alcohol. You're taking some of the, the starch out of it, turning it into into sugar, and it's going soft. And alcohol is hugely soluble. And I'm I'm not sure if it's attractive in itself. I mean, Mark Holmes is convinced it is. And many years ago, I asked him, I said, do, do you think they have a receptor for alcohol? And he said, I don't know, but it works. Um, and I've I've done I've done well with alcohol. I used to use the, the, the juice with, with enzymes and, and citric and ascorbic in it on a yeast ferment, and I did well on it. You just use it as a boily soak and also as the particle as well. Um, but when I was on Nipton, I was, I was basically post-baiting. I, I found a swim where no one wanted to fish, and I was putting 90 litres of particle in when I was leaving just to clear the spots in the weed. But it was all, it was all yeast. It was all yeast-fermented high alcohol particles wheat barley um pigeon conditioner just the ducks out half of it but it was it was keeping my spots clean um but i always wanted to try i've heard like people like frank warwick talk about the maze going cheesy and, and i've also um read that part of the attraction in csl is lactic acid yeah so yeah, what, you... what I was aiming what I was aiming for with maize is basically the cell membranes in 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 the maize will form your smelly 
if you, if you can if you can get a, a yeast a, a bacterial ferment, some of it potentially could turn into your caprolix, your acetics, uh, your caprolix, your butyrics, your isovalerics. There's some fat in, not very much fat, but there's some fat in it. But I was hoping to also get a bit of a, a like a lactic acid fermentation as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just from what I've read about the, about the reason CSL works. Um, so. Yes, yeah, so, so I suspect it might it might be a mixture of lactic acid and and, and the others, but it's certainly different. It's certainly different from an alcohol ferment, and it's it's got a lovely. You're gonna get alcohol, the ethanol in it, aren't you? You, you that that's gonna be a byproduct as well, even if it's work, well, mostly working off of bacteria. Surely you're gonna get alcohol in there as well. Yeah, yeah, to some extent, to some extent, but it didn't smell boozy compared to, but it also didn't smell cheesy. Did it smell like vinegary or? or... No, not really vinegary. Because 12 months, I, I've I, I, fermentation, I'm not too clued up on it. It's, it's not something I've done that much of. I've turned tigers, obviously, but mm. that's, I've not looked into the science behind it. But 12 months sounds like a like a fucking long, a long fermentation period. Um, well, so I, I didn't do that on purpose. I basically made 50 litres. Right. Um, and the year, the year before, and, and I didn't fish over the summer because I missed the six weeks. Everything I did, I, had, like, I made a load of nut baits for, for the hot, hot weather because of the high fat. Um, and I didn't use any of it. Mm, okay. But because, because, I, because the, the maze was covered in, in fluid, you get a crust on the top, but underneath is absolutely perfect because what happens is that any fungal spores float on it, and also if you if you've got lacto if you've got lactobacillus in it, lactobacillus um, basically stop a lot stop stop putrefaction. They're very good for um, outcompeting other bacteria. So. Yeah. And also, lactic acid in itself is is a is a preservative if you get a decent level in it. So it, it was just fine. So so twelve months late, so I, I still had a full barrel left. So I, I thought I'd give it a whirl and things to catch. Yeah. Also, with, with the theory that maize is bright yellow, so it's going to help with these potentially sight feeding male fish. Also, I know Ryan's has been out in the past over. Um, like cost you the taxi had it. Um, the first picture I ever saw of it, um, like cost you the taxi had it over a massive hit of maze. He was the first person on Acton to 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 whack, and in, not everybody was just fishing boiling um, when the, when just the originals were in. And he went in with just in, like we used to be able to do a week on there in in the season. You could pick the week and do a week, and he he basically went in with about sixty kilo of maze. Spotted it in for all day, and then just sat on it for three days, and he had an epic hit because no one had ever done it before. Um, but I wanted to, and, and and he had Ryan's back when it was just just over forty. He had it, at, I think, forty pound eight or something. Um, an old fish, but it, but he just he got I mean, a, a beautiful picture of it. Um, and I thought, you know, that was in the back of my mind that it's it's been caught over a big hit of maze. Um, so with a sight feeding with the golden balls and, and put some maize in as well. Um, but just fishing for a bite, not a massive hit, just, just trying to nick a bite each time. 
I thought that was potentially the way to go. Um, anyway, it caught the peach. <laughs> Still mm. not caught Ryan's, but there you go. So, so, you, uh, so, so, you, so sorry to interrupt there. Just, just to sort of rewind a little bit. So, you, you, you're obviously going down this route of fermentation for the organic acids. Yeah. Have you, have you just used, have you straight bought lactic acid, acetic acid, those kind of byproducts, the organic acids? Have you just bought them in their raw state and tried to use them like that, or not? Um, no, but well, you, I've used the seeds. Well, I remember on the first podcast um in 20 spring 2019 um i caught over um i made some pop-ups and some food baked pop-ups and i soaked them in a mixture of um apple cider vinegar and, and red wine vinegar um and i had a, a mid-30 on, on those <clears throat> basically as I, I think i mentioned last time that apple cider vinegar has got malic and acetic yeah. uh, and grape you know red, red wine vinegar has got tartaric and acetic in it so so, so in, in those pop-ups i had a mixture of malic uh, tartaric and acetic and I, I never saw i caught a fish on it and i've never pursued it further but i think there was definitely some mileage there yeah um because if, if you, you remember the um the organic acid list for potential bitling I sent you and then resent you because you forgot about it. Do well, say that you, again. Say that again. You remember the, the cat's onion table, the cat's onion dubbing table I sent to you on Messenger after after we, when you had the podcast with Dean on and you were talking about Ascorbate. Yeah. And I said, Do you not remember that? <laughs> and you went, No. You didn't send yeah. me a table the other day though. You just yeah, told me. I, off. Did a, I, I sent you a, a photograph of a table on Messenger. When? What, the other day? Yeah. No, you didn't. I did. No. What? I, I oh, yeah, it. you did. No, you I did. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you did. I'm memory, mate. Fucking hell, mate. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. But, but, but on that list is a scarlet acid. Yeah. From, cats, from one of the cats on you and dove on, dubbing papers. Yeah. But it's for tench and bitterling. Mm. For tench, citric, malic, and tartaric have the same attraction. Potential because they didn't do it on carp, but they've got the exact same palatability index potential. So I'm presuming it's similar-ish for carp. So mm. you know, um, yeah. Oh, we could talk about that also. Ascorbic is on that list. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I mean, there's yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot on that list that have been written about in in carpy circles before isn't there mm. um no, but the thing i took away from it though is basically jake when when you did um jake jay's podcast he said ascorbic acid is definitely attractive loves it and then you had dean on and dean said well it's nutritional but i don't know anything about it in terms of chemo reception but <clears throat> yeah but but on the on the recent podcast with dean he said he's never seen it written that it's actually attractive to carp, right? Yeah, which is which is true because this is for bitterling. This is for tension bitterling, yeah. Yeah, but my, my theory is that it acts on the same receptor. I I think, and I've absolutely no proof of it, but this is my pet theory, and and I'd, I'd love someone to either prove or disprove it or show us where we're going. I think all the same organic acids, all the carboxylic acids, act on the same receptor. 
So, so the the bitterling intent and tench, which obviously, well, presumably they possess this receptor. Yeah. Do you know if that same receptor is present in carp? Have you have you looked? No, at no, that? I've not. I've not. I don't know anything about it. But my, my point is right. There's all these organic carb. There's all these carboxylic acids, and they all have an extremely high palatability to cyprinids, especially carp. Mm. Now, see, on, on that list, there's about twenty organic acids. I'm not convinced that a carb has 20 different receptors for each organic acid, for each carboxylic yeah. acid. Yes. I can't see that because <clears> they <throat> all have a different affinity, because they've all got a different, what they call a palatability index. And the way they do that is they make little pellets, neutral pellets, and put the organic acid in at a certain level mm. and count how many, how many they pick up and how many they spit out and how long it's in the mouth for. Now, there's a thing in, in biology called, called binding affinity. You, you probably know because you've done a lot yeah. of this. No, I, I think the carboxylic acids, the, the, different, <clears throat> the different specificity of, of how attractive they are to carb is also to do with the molecular shape of the carboxyl groups and its binding affinity on a receptor. So that makes me think there's only one receptor for carboxylic acids. I can't see them having 20 different receptors all different. I just can't see it for something what's very similar molecularly. But I also think ascorbic acid acts on the same receptor. I've had absolutely no proof for this at all, and Dean's probably the man to, to, to delve into it because that's what he does. Mm. Um, so message to Dean. Crack on, lad. You're scientific, mate. Crack on with that. That's my theory. Mm. And I don't know how, how accurate it is. But I definitely, but, but, but the old carp seem to love the carboxylic acids and, and that's why I was wanting to get lactic acid in. This takes us back to milk protein. It does to me. I quite like, I'm not into milk protein building for functional purposes. I use whey gel to basically get a hard bind. I don't use casein, I don't use any of that, but I'm quite a fan of skimmed milk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In certain recipes in a bird food. But wow. One of the reasons I'm, 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 I think it's got mileage is because it's got lacto- a lot of lactose in it. It's got lactomorphins as well, isn't it? I know I know. Dean goes on about casomorphins, but I believe it's got lactomorphins present. Well, I know it's got uh, lactomorphins I present. I don't know any... I mean, what are lactomorphins? Is that, is that from the way... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so well, your like caseins. Yeah, exactly. Or just just whey protein has got it. Hydrolyzed yeah, well, whey we're, we're, protein. I mean, lactalbumin is part of the whey complex, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, you can't get proper lactalbumin anymore. Obviously, <laughs> we well, can, but it's, you yeah, you're looking at thousands of pounds. Silly for money, yeah. Fucking a, a very small amount. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But from um, from from the point of view, the, the reason I don't, I'm not into milk proteins is. I don't, I, I can't pre-bake. And, and from what people say, well, two things. One, it takes, you've got a pre-bake. I, I don't think there's, there's much inherent attraction in a globular protein, what has been boiled, because, because it locks up. It's not soluble because it locks up because, because you've denatured it. That's not to say the protein as a food source isn't valuable, but it has no inherent attraction in my eyes compared to a fish meal mm. as a protein source. 
fish meal is not just a protein source. As Dean said, it's, it's, it's a fibrous protein, but it's everything else what comes with it, like 5-IMP. Nucleotides, yeah. Yeah, it's got everything in it. Milk proteins don't have anything. They're just a protein source. Have you have you have you fed just sorry to interrupt? Have you just fed say rennet casein pure on its own bit of water pasted up sort of thing to fish? No, I, the problem is I've never been able to see fish feed on my bait. I've never fished a water where you can watch fish, so I can only go off what I catch. I mean, if if you if if you just paste up different milks, calcium caseinate, mm. rennet. They uh they they have a profound effect on fish. In fact, there's even a what was it a paper or was it a book? Fuck my man, there's again my memory is failing me. I'm sure some people listening. It, it's it's a well known thing. I think there was a it was a study or someone something like that. Um, basically fed uh tank common carp um rennet casein or it might have been acid casein. I can't remember one of those two. Um. This is going back many, many years, and yeah, the tank fish, enough to scale for it. Sorry, the tank fish, tank fish, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't set much store by tank fish. I never, agree. I, I, mean, I, haven't got, I haven't got any in the tank, but and I've never watched fish feed on bait, so I can't. I, I can only go off my catch results. Yeah, but 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 I mean. To play devil's advocate, a moment ago you were saying you, you you can't understand how that globular piece of of food stuff would be attractive. But you're you're not you're not boiling it up. You're putting it in in raw state. It's yeah, not, very not, true. Very true. It's not denatured. No. If you put um, it in yeah, a boil, if right. you put it in a boil, it's denatured. That's the difference. And you're binding it with egg. But I mean, every but yeah, but everything in a boilie is denatured yeah, to some exactly. degree. But but in the in the other respect, a lot of things are actually better once they have been heated. That it's not always a bad thing. I mean, no, no, no egg, I'm not disputing that for most things, but I'm disputing it with with globular with globular proteins because your globular proteins tend to steal a bait to some extent. I mean, if you when the when the lads in, in the homemade bait. Group were talking about milks, especially like people like Steve Robbo. He said they didn't usually start catching till the third day. I see. I think so. so I'm a fan of milk proteins. I really, really mm. am. But I think, and this is a big but, I think you have to. Without, I'm not trying to give it the big one here, but I think you have to know how to use them, and you have to put them. They have to come inside with things that make them very easily to be broken down by carp and utilized by carp. Yeah. Um, I think that is the fucking key. So as I spoke about on the last podcast, been working on a milk milk bait for, for the last couple of years on and off. And um, yeah, I, I think if you, if you can get that carp to utilize those milks, and we're not going to say it's the Holy Grail because it isn't, but mm. it, it's, you're getting closer to it. Um, I think the difference can be night and day. I really, really yeah. do. Well, Nutribit just put the addicts in them, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, even going back along, and again, like, sorry, we we both of us keep referencing the last podcast with Dean, but he mentioned Jeff's old mix. Mm. Um, that was just pure milk protein, which I don't think is the way, because mm. pun not intended, because it's not that digestible. But the results that the guys had on that, the 1066 mix, that it was just profound, and were that was literally just milk proteins with were some eggs. Were they prebating? No, they were just catching like fucking crazy wherever they went on it. 
as far yeah. as I'm aware, it was written. It, there was um, I think he even wrote about it more in more recent times in Subsurface Journal. I don't know if you've if, if you. No, I've not. I've not really. I've seen. Bits of it. I'll send it to you. It's it's yeah. it's. I mean, I like Jeff Bowers. I like his the little bits and bobs. He's not done much, but the bits and bobs he has done it, it very good. Um, I mean that caught well. I mean, it's literally just eggs and milk powders. I, I can't remember if he used the liquid in in it or not. He might have, but I mean, it, yeah, it, the, the the milks are doing something. It, it they definitely are. There's there's no shadow of a doubt in my mind. But of course, you can make that so much more effective if you know what to coincide it with to, yeah. to get the most out of it. Hmm. Because the thing I was thinking about when when people like Steve Robbo were saying the third day, I was thinking that. That's when the late bacteria are hydrolyzing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he's using an out and out milk protein bait, and I and, and it, a few of the lads swore blind, it, you know, they didn't work till the third day. Well, I thought, well, yeah, because it's been in the pond for three days. But and, and was, was, was I'm not sure on on the extent of his his knowledge. I, hmm. would, he, would he be rolling that how it should have been rolled? I don't I'm know. Not a clue. I've not a clue because that was just what he said, and my my reaction to that was yeah, because it's getting hydrolyzed. Mm. Um, another lad who I fished with said he, he, he wanted to get some um, milk protein baits going. Um, so I called Tony, who was, who was probably the best angler who's ever walked on Acton, because um, he said back in the day he fished a winter session in I think, January years and years ago, and they turned up and his mate had for, forgotten his bait, and he basically had five rotten ram you know sort of moldy milk protein baits in his bag like marbles and he basically cast them out and they had the best winter session well this, this kid had the best winter session ever on on, on milk protein singles mm. um and he reckoned that was because they were turned which again is, is to getting hydrolyzed yeah I mean, and this is the the beauty of these modern hydrolyzed caseins and and whey mm. proteins. It, obviously, that, that that job is already done up front. Yeah, um, and that's what I'm utilizing alongside the, the older fashioned milks as well. Because mm. I, I, I still think, and again, as I said before, I'm not going to give the game away, but there's definitely things you can add. Which yeah, will, without a doubt, there's lots that. you can do. With yeah, that. Um, but I, but I. I... Because I was thinking about about the hydrolyzed milk, thinking that it's aspartic acid, because because in 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 your milk proteins you've got quite a high level of aspartic acid. Yeah. So, so if if it was hydrolyzed or it was getting turned by bacteria, then maybe you're getting some free aspartic acid, um, and that's maybe for the attraction of the hydrolyzed milks. That was my theory. My theory was. If I was, I wanted to potentially go down, go down looking at hydrolyzed milks as an attractor because of the aspartic acid content. Yeah, I mean they're high in branch, branch chain aminos as well, which is obviously. Yeah. Which well, Dean mentioned that in a couple of podcasts ago, didn't he, about branch chains? Yeah, yeah. So, have you ever used hydrolyzed collagen then? No, I haven't. No. They're quite high in branch chains, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, like going back to it, you can just you can buy BCAA branched yeah. amino acid powder. You, you can buy it in its raw form. Um, you can buy essential amino acid powder. You can buy singular amino acids. Yeah. You can add all of this stuff in individually if you need to. Um, 
And have you tried that? No, no, I haven't. Right. Oh, well, no, I um, not in a finished bait, not with my milk bait. No, no, I haven't. Mm. Um, but I've tested individual amino acids on my carp. And yeah, generally, it's not the way to go. But again, you're literally feeding one amino acid in <laughs> by default, because it has to be this way, because the way you feed, it's in very high concentrations. Yeah, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't hold any stock in that anyway, because in a fixed volume of it, water. It, it, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to presumably you want to find out what's good to use it in a bait, which is comprised of many different ingredients and different yeah. amino acids. It's going to behave totally different. So I wouldn't hold much stock in that. Like, you know, if I, if I got hold of, um, you know, I, uh, valine, for example, and then fed it and had a really good response off of it. Well, so what? That's going to behave completely different when it's in a bait with a whole sure. multitude of other amino acids. I just wouldn't hold much stock in it. Put it in a solid bag, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, if you're going to... And again, goes back to what you were saying about your slop. Yeah, get a load of it. And there's, I mean, solid backfishing. I've not done that much of it, but my head keeps going back there because... There's lots you can get away with. You know, you can you can feed singular amino acids. You could feed um, organic acids. You could do whatever you want, really, can't you? Mm. And get attraction in a local area and just have your feed bait there. So, or your hook bait there. Yeah. I well, I've, I've done well on on Grenville on solids. What you meant, I think. Again, my memory is, sh- is shaky at best, but I think on the last podcast you mentioned, yeah, um, doing some solid bag work. What what do you typically do? Well, it's a, it's a, the golden balls mix, but really turned, really turned. Right, and that's sticky, just, sticky, nasty. That's like a carbohydrate mix with pre-digested and turmeric. Is that right? Yeah, but basically, it's, it's a, a, a a site mix where I've, where I've took the fish meal, the fish meal recipe, and taken the fish meal out of it, replaced it with maize protein. Um, got it's 23% hydrolyzed as well um just put some belt the, the only sort of um there's no liquid food as such just belican in it um but it seems to it seems to turn really well um when you sweat it up it, things were made in them seem, seem to ferment well um and when it goes white and sticky it, it, it starts thinking a bit but in a yeah. solid bag, it seems it seems to do the damage. Really does. Yeah. Then you just, what, you're using the whole bait, so you're crumbing them up. Well, no, I, I I I put them in the crusher, but I, but I make sure there's some nuggets in it and then some powder. So so even if even if the um, there's some solid food there, but on, you know only sort of crushed up nuggets, but there's some solid food there and there's some there's some crumb as well. Mm. Um, but that really does. I mean, I have my UKPB on that over bait, but but it's still in the bag. Um, and then in twenty eighteen, I had, I had a brace of forties on two, literally just two bags. Yeah, in seventy two acres, two bags out, two fish that morning, both forties. You know, in, in seventy two acres, so powerful. But it, but but I also think if. You know, if you put something else in the stuff, whatever you put, because Grenville's barley only, so you can't, you can't be putting stuff in. Oh, I mean, can't, I mean, can't so use it, particle. No, 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 it's, it's barley only. Jeez, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I had my yeah. first UK forty off Nixon on on a solid bag. Mm. I was fishing a spot on Nixon in 2015, and it was about four foot, four and a half foot deep, and it was just out of swan depth. Well, there were coots all mm. over the spot, and I, bite time in that swim was like half three in the morning. So you cast out at sort of eight o'clock, just before dark in the spring. Um, but then if, if you didn't get a bite, by it's coming light at half three, four o'clock. The coots were straight on the spot. The swans were over. So you, you, this spot, you, I thought, that spot has got to do fish. It just looked perfect. Went, went over it in the boat. Just looked beautiful. Pulled, pulled the marker back. So I found four and a half foot. So he's out of swan depth. And I thought, yeah, that spot's got mileage. But I couldn't, I couldn't bait it up. I was, I was filling it in. I was, that was the spot I was putting 90 litres of particle in every week when I was leaving. But actually fishing it, I couldn't put any free bait in. So, so, so I thought, right, well, solid bags is the way to go. And I remember seeing, um, reading one of the BCSG um, annuals, one of one of the books, and there was a guy. I think it was. I'm sure it was John Carver. And he was saying, he basically was saying that he'd never seen a response on pellets like these spirulina and betaine pellets. So, so, I, so I got some, and I was, I was dosing them up with, um, with Nampla. So while I was sat there, when I was fishing, I had, I had a mad, like a, an ice cream container and I was putting the, the pellets in. I was leathering the Namplar over them and then drying them out in the sun and then doing the same thing and drying them out. So I had them super concentrated with Namplar on these spirulina and betaine pellets because I didn't want to just fish a single. I wanted just some food there, however small it is. Yeah. Anyway, um, so just fishing a bag on the spot and then no free bait and then baiting up when I left, but the ducks were eating most of it. But I had, um, within three months, I had the late record out, the first 40 I ever did at a Nipson on a, on a solid. Which, uh, could, just because I know we're going to get loads of questions about this, messages in, which um, which brand of betaine and spirulina pellets, pellets were you using? They were Coffins. Coffins. Mm. Coffins. I'm not sure if they still make them because this was, this was seven years ago. Yeah. Um, it was it was a Coppens um, spirulina and betaine. I, I got a mix of two mil, four mil, and six mil. But the reason I got the reason it, it sprung to mind was between casting out and bite time, you had seven and a half hours, and and, and all other pellets tend to break down, and then there's nothing left within seven hours. A lot of pellets, but these had a twenty hour breakdown time, mm. and that's what attracted me to them. I thought I've got a twenty-hour break up breakdown time, so so they're going to last the full length of, of till a recast. Because Nipton Nipton never did a bite after ten o'clock ever. Do you, do you ever use certain powders and liquids that that can penetrate into the lake bed for for a prolonged attraction? Well, no, because not because I I don't want to, but um. That I did that on Nipton, and then when I left Nipton, I went on to Acton, and, and Acton just wasn't suited to, to solid bags because you're feeling for drops, it's shallow, there's siltweed everywhere. So, so you were just, it was out and out boiling fishing. There was, there was a lot of rud. Um, so, and then, so, I'm, so I've not used solid bags on, on Acton, and then on Grenville, it's boiling only. Can you, can you use a boat on there? On where? On Acton. No, no, no! It's all it's, it's all casting from the bank. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
So you need you need to find you need to feel a drop because it's, it's silty and weedy. But, so but a gra- you can use a uh, boat on Granville, right? No, 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 no. It's, it's mega distance casting. You can't use a boat on either. Okay, all right. No, no. It's only Nipton. I'm Nipton. You had to cast your rigs, but you right. could bait up feature find land carp because it was mega weedy as well. You, you, you need to go out in the boat and land a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but it was also good to go and check your spot. You could go and check your spots in the rowing boat. Um, you know, so it was great for that. But um, no, I've, I've never, I've never done that. But that's not to say I wouldn't do it um, if if the situation arose. Mm. Um, I would. There's all sorts of things. That, I mean, I've got loads of game plans in my head which have never come to fruition just because the situation hasn't hasn't arisen. Where, where um, are you where, going off topic again? Where um, are you? You've obviously been on Acton for for a long time, and that's like seventh season, like second yeah. Hand. Yeah, where are you going up once you've you've caught your last four or two or whatever you decide upon? Where are you going after that? Um, well, I've got a Girton ticket. Oh, where? Sorry, Girton in Nottinghamshire. Right. Um, currently got the UK's biggest common in it. Um, I've got a ticket for there, but there's a lot of stockies coming through. Um, but I've just got the ticket as as a, as a sort of spare <clears throat> as a spare ticket, you know, because when you want a ticket on there, it's going to be gold dust. I, I just the only reason I've not fished it as much is because the action fish are so old. I just want to catch them before they go. Yeah. So so it's it's like a ticking time bomb. So it's just a question of. Yes, I want to try other places. And my Grenville ticket, I've, hardly, I've had my Grenville ticket, this is the start of my fifth season, and I've hardly fished that. Mm. You know, which has arguably got the best stock of fish in the country, but it's, it's a 350-mile round trip for two nights, and his fish are just getting better and better. You know, his, his, his scaly stock is what are coming through now. I just, I just also can't pawn. They're I mean, all quite the, young fish, though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, you know, the oldest of the original stockings, but he's, he's naturally collected the spawn and the stuff what's coming through. I mean, the picture on, you know, the scaly one off the off the, the first podcast picture, which wasn't white tips. The, se- the, the second? Uh, yeah, the set. second one. That, that, that's a 30, that was a 33 pounder in 20, 2020, so two years ago. Yeah. Um, and that's one of his naturally born he's collected the spawn at the lake put it in a rearing pond and that's what's turned out mm, yeah yeah um so you, that, i mean potentially that could be 40 that fish now do you ever fancy going the other way and and go into you know i mean the, there's not that many around these days but like a largely unfished pit with carp that have just been left to their own devices that just very old fit very very different do you, you ever get sort of Tempted yeah, with that type I, of fishing or not? The problem is I, I live in Bolton and, and there isn't a lot about it. The, the only... Yeah. Uh, there's not much decent carp fishing up here and what is here is, is well known about and gets absolutely hammered. Mm-hmm. So that's why I travel. I, I haven't fished in the Northwest for, um, since 2010. I went to Selby which was 78 miles each way. Then I went down to Nipton, which was 135 each way. And then I got my Acton ticket, which is a 200-mile round trip, 101 each way. And then I've got um, Girton's 99 each way um, and Grenville's 175 each way. So, How far from Yorkshire are you? Well, Selby was in Yorkshire. I was in, I'm, I'm sort of 80 miles from Yorkshire. Right. 
So okay. Selby was seventy-eight miles each way. So you know, I, I don't, I don't hear about um, about places. What uh, I, I think wild untapped places. You need, you really need to debate them up and walk them. Yeah. And I, I don't have that luxury. I, I do me two nights a week. I go there. And it was what you were saying to Dean um, on the last podcast. All my bait, I've never pre-baited any of my baits. The, the only baiting I've ever done was on Nipson when, when I was filling it in with particle. But that wasn't as a food feeding exercise, more as keeping the spots clean of weed. Mm. And half and half of that bait would have been eaten by by the ducks anyway. Um, but, but when you like you were talking about Jake, like he's com- the complete opposite of of how he goes about. He, he walks these lakes, he's baiting them up, and then he's in and out, and he's caught the fish. Who's that? Sorry, you remember Jake the Heron? Oh, when Jake the Heron. His, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's literally walking these lakes. Yeah, sneaking about, wanging a bit of baiting. And, and it couldn't be any further from how I fish. Mm. How and I'm not saying he, 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 yeah. but, he, but where he's living down there, there's a lot of these waters about. He, how he, far I think from the? Know, yeah, go on. Sorry, mate. Go on. No, I'm just saying it's, it's just the area you live in. You know, I don't know what sort of distance he's traveling, but there's a lot down south. You've got a lot of club waters with some really nice fishing. There might only be one or two in that lake, but there's still. And then you've got a lot of gravel pits down there, which some of them are, you know, they're guesting, aren't they? They're sneaking about. But we just don't have gravel pits up here. No. No, I know, mate. I know. Well, I lived in Cornwall for years. I saw yeah, same scenario, long, long way from, from where you want to be fishing. How far from the Lake District are you, though? Um, it's about an hour and a half each way, depending right. where the boat yeah. is. Yeah, it's a fair way, isn't it? Mm. And, the, and the M6 is... Jesus, the M6 can be absolute carnage. Yeah. You know, when when you get to sort of Preston, it can just be... I mean, Jesus, this summer when, you know, people haven't been away and what have you, oh, I was tailing back. It was half an hour to an hour just to get to Preston. So, so you're north of Manchester, right? I'm northwest, I'm northwest Manchester, yeah. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, the, I mean, in, in Manchester, you basically what, what they call... You've got Clifton, which they call... Like in the Magdicol MPL Manchester Park Lake, but it's just—I mean, it's it's just savage. I went down to see my nephew on a bank holiday, and there must have been three thousand people in the park and about a thousand dogs. Mm. You know, and I, I, that's just not me. I love going on a nice, quiet syndicate. You can leave your gear, go to the shop if you want to, or go for a walk around the lake when talking to people, and your gear's still there when you come back. Yeah. You know, I like I, I fished these sort of park lakes and dumps when you know sort of the seventies and eighties when I was a kid. But not for carp, but for tench and what have you, pike and all that. And I just I just don't want to do that anymore. I just I just want to go to a lake where there's no hassle. It's absolutely beautiful. It's quiet. You know, and there's some nice fish. Um, but I just we just don't get the opportunity. I mean, certainly in the Midlands, like Nottinghamshire, the Trent pits. Loads of those are nature reserves, and there's people sneaking about on them, aren't there? You know, yeah. fish washed in off the Trent, and uh, you know, some really special fish around there. But but they're guesting; <laughs> they're not there legally. You're sitting. You're a long. You're a long session angler, aren't you? 
Well, I enjoy the camping. You're not, I enjoy. A, you're not a quick in and out sort of dude. No, I, I, I wouldn't fish days because because I really enjoy vivying up. Because when I when I get to the lake, I mean, people talk about living in the moment, don't they, these days with mental health and, and all the uh, the social media bollocks and, and what have you. When I turn up to a lake, I am just like in zen mode, set me bivy up, think about the fishing. I just love it. When I get in bed, in, even in winter when I fish in winter, I, I get in bed and I just love getting in bed in my bivy, even when it's freezing cold, shitty weather. I take all the gear. You know, you'd laugh at how much gear I take. Um, because, because also, potentially, I'm fishing three different lakes. So I've got to take the stuff. They all need their own equipment. But if I, if I take it out of my kit, chances are I'll forget. And, and if I'm, you know, 175 miles away without the right kit, I'm knackered. So, so I, t- I tend not to even separate all my gear out. So, yeah, it's just not. Sneaking about is not how I'm set up for. No. That's not to say what I wouldn't enjoy it, but it, <clears throat> I just I just enjoy the camping aspect of it, switching off, sitting there. It's, it's just it's just a complete um, disconnection from modern life. I think that's why I like acting so much because you've no phone signal either, so you 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 know social media. You literally you couldn't be more in the moment. Yeah. You know, it's, there's, there's there's no road traffic. There's no street lights. Um, I mean, even like with, with Girton, there's a road at the back, so you hear traffic. Um, and with Grenville, you've got the A1 at the back of it, so it's never completely silent. But Acton is just silent. And and you <clears throat> you fish Fridays to Wednesday, right? No, no, no. I do two nights a week. If, if I can, if I can do it, I'll do Sunday to Tuesday. Okay. Um, but I only ever do two nights a week. Um. I just, I just that's 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 my time. I, I can't imagine getting up at four o'clock in the morning, tramping around the lake for a few hours, and then then going back. <laughs> so it's hard work, mate. Dedication. Yeah. I'm sure you fucking. I'm mean, this past week though. You did Friday till Wednesday, right? I dreamt that. No, I got that no. wrong. I got that wrong. No, I've been doing Sunday to Tuesday for the last three oh. weeks. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, forget it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's different it, it for sure is a different type of fishing if i went back mm. to doing your style of fishing um i've never quite done it like you but i used to do um and it is definitely different from what i do now which is very short sessions mm. um you do have to you have well you don't have to but you it pays off to change your bait accordingly depending on what you're doing that is that's well, absolutely if i was if i was pre-baiting if i was walking a lake four nights a week and pre-baiting, I would use a completely different yeah. baiting strategy to what I'm doing now. Um, my baits have got to be instant because there's only, like on Acton, everybody's on key bait, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are on key bait solutions ASM. So, so to, to the fish in Acton, it's a natural food mm. because 60%, 70% of the anglers are using it. Yeah. And, how, and have been since 2013. So, so for nine years, they've seen this one bait, which hasn't blown, and I'm up against... But when I joined Acton, um, a lad called Crofty said, well, if you're not on key baits, mate, you're not catching. But I thought, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was that yeah, was the flat. case with most other baits. <clears throat> there's people... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, that was I thought, crack on then. <laughs> we'll see how we go on. <laughs> I, I've got the opposite thing now, though. So I, I don't have time to walk the lake. I can't pre-bait. And I'm on fucking limited time. <laughs> so it's it's one thing having limited time. But as you said, if you can walk it regularly, get the bait going in, get some spots going, mm. you, you're, you're angling when you're not there, so to speak. But absolutely flipping it on its head. Now I'm I'm figuring out, OK, well, and this is what I've been doing for the last kind of year, 18 months is, OK, well, how can I pitch my bait towards? Mm. I can't pre-bait. I'm there for a very fucking short amount of time. But I really need to make these hours count, and, um, mm. and that, that again is a, is a different is a different ball game altogether. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose the people that are in people that are into bait and making their own bait, obviously those are the ones that are listening to this podcast. If you're not yeah. into bait, I doubt you're still listening now. <laughs> yeah, you 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 want to be paying attention to these things. You know, it, it's it's not like you're trying to formulate the best bait and then just use it no matter what. You've got to formulate the best bait for your individual circumstance and how you fish and the water that you're fishing, the hours that you have on the bank. It, it's almost or it's almost more important than actually the fish that you're fishing for in terms yeah. of bait formulation. You have to. Well, how long does it take you to learn that? Sorry? How long, how many years does it take you to, to, to come to that oh, conclusion? That many. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) listening to that, you'd say, well, not many. It's obvious, isn't it? But for me, it wasn't. No, it took many, many fucking years. Many years. I'll tell you, Brian Scarlett said to me when I was on Selby in 2011, 2012, he said, there's no ultimate bait. There's only the ultimate bait for that application. Yeah. Yeah. At At the time, it didn't really twig. Because I'd only been making bait like a year or two, and I was yeah. still thinking I could come up with the the ultimate boilie, which would rip everywhere apart, and I, and I would be able to come up with it. I was convinced that I could find, and I was putting everything in it at two percent. I was putting like eighteen different ingredients in at two percent. Mm-hmm. You know, put twenty ingredients yeah. in a boilie, and it was just I was catching on it, but I didn't know why it was working or why it wasn't, or I didn't have a I didn't have a did you do no. But that a lot of things people say to me, I sort of I remember what they said, but it doesn't it it doesn't have any relevance at, at the time. But 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 later it comes. I think ah, that's what it meant, you know. Um, but that is exactly the art of, of, of bait design. Is designing a, a you know if, you, if you're really into your bait and really into your angling, it's designing a bait or an approach. What is optimum for for that angling situation? Yeah, I couldn't agree. When more. you come up with it, it's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's I, I want to kind of make this podcast like actionable info because mm. from your last two episodes, like the amount of people messaging in and asking about hot soaks and and different aspects is it it like people have questions they want answered. Mm. So I want to make this like some some i want to include some actionable info um but on that topic it's fucking impossible because you have to be ruled by the water and your own circumstances it's very hard to advise people um but but in that in that train of thought just just quickly going back to to fermenting particles so we can Mm. put a cap on that is there so for the people listening and and that you've sort of you've you've piqued their interest they want to ferment some of their own particles um what would you what would you what info or what would you say is a bit of a how to get the most out of it what what's uh 
struggling to to sum up what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I know what, I know what want to start to fermenting yeah. their how, own how particles. What do they do? Particles. Yeah, how do they start? What do they, how do they get the best out of it? Well, well, first of all, it depends on what you call a particle. You've, you've basically got two types of particles. You, you don't have to do anything different, but you've got to appreciate you're getting a different result. You've got high oil particles, which which are like hemp and tigers, and then you've got your, your more grain type particles like maize, pigeon conditioner. Um, the approaches I've done is and done very well on is put some like in maize or pigeon conditioner, whack some molasses in. Um, put some put some yeast some yeast in put some citric acid like I'd say a, a good a good tablespoon per per gallon of water of soak. Um, don't put the yeast in first. Cook it, boil it, let it cool. Stick the yeast in, stick an airlock on it, or seal the bucket. Leave it a week. You've got an high alcohol fermented grain based particle. Are you, are you just using brewer's yeast here? Brewer's yeast, yeah. I use a high alcohol tolerance wine yeast, but, but brewer's yeast does do. Okay. Then you've got the, the other thing you can do is literally boil it, cool it, stick the lid on it, and leave it for a week, two weeks. Don't keep going in it. With, with all ferments, Kiss don't, keep go, don't keep opening the bucket because you want it to be anaerobic without air. Something about tiger that I wanted to mention, um, but you just you just reminded me. Um, when I started looking into this diet, I started looking into it because of lectins in food. You know, plant defense protein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it sort of came up um, about butyrate in the gut. Yeah. And someone was saying um, tiger nuts, tiger nut flour. Yeah, it does. Is it a good probiotic? Yeah. Because the soluble fiber in tiger nuts promotes um, butyrate in the human gut. Yeah. Which made me think, you hear the anecdotes where people say, oh, it swam over a single tiger, the, the carp turned round <laughs> and nailed it. I've never seen it myself because I, I don't really use tigers. I can't have most new waters. But that made me think, if you if you are making tigers gloopy, then is is that attraction? Because tigers are basically sugar and fat, aren't they? And probiotic fiber—that's all they are. There, there's if, fibers in there, yeah. Soluble, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's soluble. all they are. The, the, the fat, sugar, and probiotic fiber. So, is are when when you when you make tigers gloopy, are the bacteria turning the fat? Is the probiotic fiber? Causing or, or aiding bacteria to turn the fat in the tiger nuts into into organic acids and butyric, etc. That family, mm. and because they've got oil in them, if you're getting small globules of oil coming off, coming up in the water column, carrying the embutyric and what have you, is that the basis of attraction in tiger nuts? It's quite possible. Yeah, that was my my thought from that. You'd need to have it analysed, um, very thoroughly analysed to know exactly what's going on, and 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 then you can hypothesise what the attraction is, can't you? But yeah, 
I suppose then you do have to come back to a point of, well, it's fuck it. It works really well. Yeah, yeah. Do you need to know? I mean, it's, well, I think people like me and you would like to know, but we don't. Well, know. I'm, I'm a weirdo in that. You probably gathered this from ancient back, but I tend to need to know the mechanism yeah. for a bit of belief in, in my life generally. I've got, I've got a bit of a scientific education, but just generally, I don't tend to believe stuff. Just from seeing it, I tend to need to know the mechanism in order to be convinced. And, and it's, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. I mean, I've, I've had a couple of mates in the past who've done that kind diet, and, and you, you know, because I don't know the me- I didn't know the mechanism at the time. I was like, yeah, but is it safe? And do you know what I mean? But you can see they've lost weight and they're doing well. But because I don't know the mechanism of it, I'm just never sure. And it's the same with bait. Once I once I can work out a sort of the, the mechanism or, or the approach, then then everything connects. Connects, and I'm completely convinced. Um, um, some of that is when you're fishing a harder water. I mean, when I when I started acting, it was rock hard. Before you put the stockies in, it was rock hard. They would. Fish was so clued up and so pressured that you could try something and, and it wouldn't work, but not because it wasn't the best thing you've ever used. It's just it was just such a it was just such a moody moody water. They would, how many fish? Know. How many fish were in there, Stephen? At the time, um, the general consensus was somewhere between sixty and eighty originals in in sort of seventeen acres. So it's not mega low stock, but you, no. the problem is you, you were always at the time you were always on the fish. They were showing a lot. You knew where they were. You'd watch them fizz up on your bait, not a beep. Mm. They were just masters at getting away with it. And, and, and when I said in the first podcast, I reckon that the big ones were single feeders. There was no competition. They were grazing your bait. They'd, they'd, they'd have a bit, go, come back, have a bit more. And, and unless they actually made a mistake, you weren't catching them. So, so it wasn't the water to do um, any sort of bait testing on because you you were doing blanking so much anyway. You know, like like my first season, I probably did fifty odd nights in the season, and I had fifteen fish. And that I, I think I was I I was near the top. I was even I think I was second or third in terms of numbers on my first season. Mm. You know, so you're averaging a fish every three nights, or every seven every seventy two hours. So every every trip and a half, you're averaging one fish. Yeah. Uh, but 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 that's not that doesn't give a picture of the blanks you did because you might have a flurry of fish you might have a couple you know you might have a couple of good fish like like in the spring yeah. of those fifteen fish I had I had five originals in three weeks in the first the spring my first spring so I only had ten fish from from June through till you know, October November yeah. And I had five, five of those I had in my week. So, so, so for the rest of the season, I had five, I had five fish. So you're doing an hell of a lot of blanking. So you, you've got to go in with something you, you convinced is work and just keep working it rather than mess about. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, bait testing is... That's why I need, mechanistically, I need to know, I need to be convinced why it's working and then I've, I've got confidence to sit out of the blanks. Because otherwise, because what happened, what used to happen on there is, 
lads would come on and they, they were probably top rod on the, the club water or the syndicate they've come from and then they go there and their heads would just fall apart because they you know if they weren't if it wasn't happening straight away then they were swapping and changing and then they don't know why they catch it um and, and so I, th- I think having confidence in your knowledge allows you to, to, to not worry about bait and then just try and work everything else out. But I can only do that if, if I know the, the mechanism and the science behind it, which is, like I say, is a blessing and a curse. Like I, 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 I couldn't take a bait off, off a fern and have 100% confidence in it, even though everybody else is catching on it because I don't know what's in it. Yeah, I, and I I agree with you, and I I struggled to do that as well when I when I wasn't rolling my own. I totally get that, but there it it depends on your threshold for. It's all like all science. I don't know. I'm, I, I want to make. I'm trying to make. I'm trying to think how I can put this. It's it's mm-hmm. quite a deep thing to say, but all science. At some point down the line, it comes down to blind faith to a certain degree. It just yeah, absolutely. What, it just depends what your threshold for that is. So, you, you know, fermentation, for example, you could be absolutely fucking convinced that, okay, well, yeah, fermentation, it produces lactate, uh, mm. lactic acid, which is d- dissolved lactic acid. But would it do that a, a trillion times out of a trillion? in a trillion different scenarios no the answer is you don't fucking know that you could hypothesize no. well yes it should because it's done it this amount of times but it's never been done mm. a trillion times out of a trillion in a row is it i very much doubt so yeah. it, it that, that you there's a threshold of 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 it <laughs> there's a threshold of belief um no absolutely I, it's, it's almost like a religion with me that yeah you know, I, I've got it's a faith-based system. I, I've I've made this bait, whichever it is. I have faith in it. Therefore, I can continue my my journey. I don't have faith in someone else's system because I haven't done it. Yeah. So, so I don't know what's in it. That is whether I'm right or wrong. Whether religions are right or wrong, bait is my religion, mm. and, and it may or may not be right. But what I get out of it is trying to work out the wheat from the chaff. You know, um, it's, it's just, it's, and then when it works, it's great because you, you've caught what you've caught on 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 your thinking, and it's it's really satisfying. But if I turned up in a lake. Say so I went to Acton, and Ryan's has been out on key baits. Loads of I don't know he's been caught on anything else. But I want to catch it on my bait. I, I wouldn't get any satisfaction from rocking up with a bag of key baits and pulling Ryan's out. So, right, sorry, I will, I'm probably going over old ground, but Ryan's is the one that you he's really want, want yeah, but your yeah. mate keeps catching. Yeah. Have I seen a picture of that or not? Yeah, that's the one I sent you. And you said it's that big leathery thing. What doesn't look? It looks like everything else. Ah, oh, that ugly slug-looking thing. Yeah, that big ugly, that that big ugly long slug thing. Ah, uh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That soulless, soulless, thing. <laughs> soulless yeah, horrible fish. But my point is, I I wouldn't 
Yeah, I wouldn't feel like I've earned that fish if I caught it because everybody else is putting yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Not to knock, that's not to yeah. knock the other anglers on the no, way. No, 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 no. Yeah, I get it's it. It's like my mate Multi, right? Well, the bailiff. He, a couple of springs ago, he, he fucking rinsed pot beds. He had the slope, the biggest fish in the lake. He had the sergeant, which is my second most wanted. And he had a fish called Big Scale at 39. And then he had a bucket of slop. And he said, yeah, I'll leave you that. And that's what he caught those three fish over. Yeah, you can't and, use that. You can't and I do said, it. And I, and I said, no, mate. I said, because if I caught one of my targets over that, I'd be gutted. And I, and I said, it's not, I'm not having a go at you. You've just smashed the lake. You've got the best result anybody's ever had in the spring. Yeah. But I can't, I can't use your concoction. It's because well, I, I haven't it, made I'm it. with you. I agree with you totally. And people, some people will roll their eyes. Some people will nod along with this. But it's yeah. worse than not catching it at all. Yeah, yeah, because, exactly. Because you have that burning fucking thing like in you if if you catch it through those means. And mm. whereas if you just don't catch it, you can kind of live with that a lot easier. I think. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I've mm. never, I've never been given a bait and, and caught a carp. Or I've, I've, I don't think I have ever really caught a target not through my own means i might be wrong on that but I, I don't think i have but i would imagine it's just worse than just not catching yeah. it i mean i I'm, I'm happy to use um like i don't make floral hook rates I, I, I don't use them much but i, I don't make them basically you know we make other or so I, I don't make floral hook rates because i don't use them i can't be asked making three different colors on the off chance i'll use them occasionally it's just not me because most of the angling doesn't revolve around colours. But I've, I've no objection to, to taking someone's floral hook bait and then doctoring it up. Mm. Because, because that's not... All my angling is about generating a feeding response in, in whatever manner I think is appropriate to the angling situation. And, and the, the satisfaction I get is, is from putting the appropriate baiting situation and designing you know and tweaking it and pissing about to, to to try and get what i want to achieve what i want and, and that is how i you know how i enjoy fishing so some people just think they're mental don't they they'll buy a bag of whatever and then and then go and fish you know i'm, I'm presuming like people like jake who's walking lakes he's probably he's buying his bait whatever he's, or he's using maggots or whatever he's using and, and to them, it's about tracking the fish down, isn't it? And observing it and sneaking about and doing... doing. He's you know. quite into bait, actually, but we didn't really talk about it. Right. Mm. How does he, does he make a bit as well? Yeah, he's... he's we, we purposely didn't talk about it, but yeah, he's... Right, well, he's, right. We he's not just chucking in any old shit. Um, no, 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 no. I, mean, I can tell from what he's saying, but people who like walking late, it's just a completely different type of angling, isn't it? In a, in a way, yeah, yeah. Because if, mean... if, I was, if I was approaching that, in in that I was I was pre baiting spots and then hitting them when I thought I was right, then nutrition would would be the cornerstone of the bait I'm putting in. Mm. Whereas now it's out and out attraction because the fish isn't coming across that bait until it, it comes across my spot. You know, two nights a week, there isn't enough bait going in for it for that to be, 
you know, as people getting a bit established, they call it, don't they? Yeah. Whereas, whereas you know, on other lakes, you, the, most lakes are usually dominated by a few baits because you get a good angler catching on a certain brand and then everybody else tends to jump on the bandwagon, don't they? Yeah, I mean... It just let me just let me just, ah, you just remind me something. Remind me about John Baker. Okay, what about him? We'll just say it now. No, in the like the last when on John Baker's podcast, he was based. I don't know if you remember this, but he said people send him recipes and all the fish meals. He said he's never seen anything um, remotely unique or, or or different from everybody's recipe he's ever been sent at the fish meals. Okay. But the, the the point that he didn't make is if you take that fish meal, which is the same as every other home roller's fish meal, and put it in a lake, how unique is it? And how much better is it than any commercial bait what's going? Yeah, I, I get sent a hell of a lot of mixes. You, you wouldn't, Honestly, you wouldn't believe it. Of um of recipes, I don't actually get people sending me their baits because obviously I don't give out my address. <laughs> um, but a lot of people run their mix by me, and I gotta agree with him. They're all fucking much of a muchness. I mean, yeah, yeah fish milk, what, around about thirty percent LT ninety three, ten percent pre digested, five percent brewers. Yeah, it's yeah. there's it's just they're all the fucking, same, aren't they? They're all the fucking all very, same. Yeah, right. But, but is but is that? Yeah, that I understand. What, I know what you're gonna LA. say. Yeah, I know. Go on. How go on. much more special is that home roll bait? Agreed. That's the, doesn't matter if, if if home roller. How many home rollers are on the average syndicate? Or Park Lake, or whatever. One, <coughs> maybe two. None. It depends where you go. It, it it depends where you go, doesn't it? And I mean, I've just joined a, a syndicate which is quite busy for by my standards. I usually sort of fuck off where no one else is, but mm. I've just joined a, a syndicate. You know, it's. I went there today. Um, there was fucking ten people fishing, and that that that's just alien to me. I usually yeah. I'm in, I'm on sort of a nature reserve where no one's fishing or, or something like that, um, or at least ideally I am, and it's totally yeah. different. But quite a few of those lads, they are rolling their own bait, so there's pockets of it. I, I understand it's it's few and far between, but there are pockets of it. Mm, yeah, from my experience, there aren't though. Like, like on Acton, I make my own bait. There's yeah. another lad who, who's done well, who it's his own recipe. You get someone else to roll it, but it's his own recipe. So effectively, he's, he's like a home roller. But you've just been on Acton for seven years. so Yeah, but the, what I'm saying is you've got fi- probably 50 members a year, and, and a lot of them are changing. You only do one or two seasons. Yeah. And there's only ever been one home, really one home roller on it, me, and, you know someone else yeah i don't doubt that <clears throat> i'm just trying to say that there's maybe pockets of it maybe there's other lakes where there's yeah that th- there's a higher percentage of home rollers that's what i'm trying to say yeah but i don't think it's it's common because oh it's not common no no yeah. no 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 so what i'm saying on the average lake what percentage of say you've got 100 anglers fishing i'll say you've got 50 anglers fishing a lake how many, how many people would you say are very competent home rollers I'm not about people who buy a but, base mix. Yeah, and- yeah, no, no, no. I get, yeah, very fucking small, very yeah. small amount. Yes, you really know what they're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. 
I get what you're saying. I do. So what get I'm what saying, saying if you take a good recipe, which may be exactly the same as everybody else's fish meal to some extent, it is still hugely unique on the lake you're fishing. I, I get what you're saying. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. Oh. Um, so there was a lake in Cornwall. Um, me, hmm. a friend, well, Pete, and um. And two other people were fishing it. At one point, there was different people came and went. All four of us were rolling our own bait. Right. So 100% of the people that were fishing this lake, there was only four of us. It's very unusual. But we were all rolling our own bait. So so that is very different from 99% of the venues yeah. out there. You're absolutely right. Most venues out there, it's it's there might be one guy rolling his own bait, maybe two because they're mates. I get yeah. what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. Well, that, that was my first thought when he said that. I thought, well, yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. If, if a lot of homemade fish meals are, you know, they might have a bit of Robin Redding or they might have a bit of this and that, but they're all very much of a muchness, aren't they? But they're still yeah, different from a, from a commercial bait. Still very different, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, although, although, sorry, just to, to, to add to that further, Definitely, I would imagine very different from your lights of Mainline and well, we know the we know the big names, don't we? Yeah. But what about the smaller the smaller outfits, the smaller rollers? Again, just to go back to the last podcast, Dean, he's got a fish meal. I imagine it's I know more I know a fair bit about that, but I would imagine it's it's more along the lines of what someone like me or you would roll compared to say Mainline. Yeah, but I'm just saying, but look at the volume that Dean's shifting compared to mainline. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I get it. If, if you go on certain lakes, everybody's on a certain bait, and it's, a lot of it's the, the big companies. Admittedly, if, if, if you've got lakes where a smaller company is producing a good bait and it, and it does well, then chances are a lot of people will be on that bait. So, um, okay. Look. So, so let's go specific then. <clears throat> I think, I think on your last podcast you mentioned you were talking about farriers, or maybe you didn't. Maybe that's something we've spoken about. Oh, it something else which shall not be named. Oh, okay. It was a different. Okay, yeah, yeah. We okay. Well, farriers, you're familiar with it, aren't you? I I, I know a lot of fishes. You're friends with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of commons in there. You know, big fish in there. As far as I'm aware, that gets pretty dominated on mainline cell. Is is that? Yeah. Yeah. What would you make of a place? Part, like part, from from what I from what my mate does, he uses particle. Yeah. There's, I think there's a lot of spotting goes on. I think a lot of people spot on it, and I, but I also think well. I might be wrong. I think a lot of people use boily on it and they're using the cell. And, and that, right. I think, I, again, I could be wrong. I believe that is the dominant bait. Kind of ties in with your theory. It's a very uh, visual bait. Mm. Obviously, before you've spoken about commons, visual baits. Who knows what is in it? I don't know the exact makeup. Well, they, they, print, they print the ingredients on the, on the, yeah. uh, the bag. The, so you, you know what's in it. Yes, so it's so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be very PC here, Stephen. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it, it maybe it's not as nutritious as as what I would knock up at home, or what you would knock up at home, or what Dean would sell. 
it, it's 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 maybe a little bit different from those type of baits, yeah. right? But yeah, it is catching fish upon fish upon fish upon fish. Yeah, because everybody's using well. it. So, so self-fulfilling prophecy. I if, get yeah, exactly. that. If every, if everybody's using it, then also commons are a different beast. I mean, those lads absolutely smashed Grenville to bits, but the shellfish. It's deep, clear water. They can see it. All, all mainline baits are bright, and they wash out even brighter. When, so when you've, when you've got a good head of fish, they, they tend to see patches of bait, and they, they tend to eat them. And, and like I said, commons are different beasts. But if, if you go on a, a lake, like, for instance, Selby. When I was on Selby, everybody was on key bait, uh, was on Cart Company Ice Red, yeah. which is a fish meal. Yeah, everybody right. was on it, and then a lot like Corwin went on with the cell and absolutely cleaned up in the first season. And then every then a lot of people went on it the season after, and the results dropped off. Now, just to, to switch gears a little bit, just to go actually back to what you were saying mm. in the first few minutes of this podcast, your your protein fulfillment theory, right? Mm. That all animals and potentially carp can be added into this group. Sure. They will keep on eating, eating until they get the until they carp, get their yeah. their sufficient fill of protein, which which really is uh, a, a certain combination and amount of amino acids. Sure. So maybe this uh, a bait such as a cell, if indeed it is lower in protein, maybe it's lending itself. They can eat more. They'd have to eat a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which which is good for angling, right? Yes and no. If it's being, if it's the predominant feed stuff that's put in the lake, of course. But what you tend, the thing, what you tend to find is when when the fish are having it, they'll eat anything. Also, angling pressure comes into mind when what you tend to find with, with lower food value baits is. When they've been caught on it, they tend not to... If fish what don't like being caught, basically, they appreciate, when, they keep, when they're exposed to a lower food value bait, they tend to realise it's a lower food value bait and the danger of getting caught on that bait then makes them a bit moody around that bait. How, how do you know they know that, though? Because, because I've seen... Lakes where people fish lower val food value baits on, on lakes where they choose it. Like, like Acton is rich, really rich in bloodworm, natural snails, mega, mega rich lake. And I've seen people come with big commercial bait, firm bait, and they have, especially before the stock has got put in, they caught nothing. They struggle. Different now they put the stockies in because it's competition for food, so they'll tend to eat more, they're more catchable because there's more competition. But when the competition wasn't there and you've got highly pressured old fish, they weren't risking getting caught on a low food value bait. Mm. So it's all about competition, what's going in. Because the pe people on people I've seen people use these big companies baits and they're honestly big in the early days before Rob didn't really put a lot of stockies in until November 2018. So I did three seasons where there weren't really any stockies in there. 
and, and honestly, people struggled. But, but these but then, are really hard fish. But but then they'll get caught on something like sweet corn or maize, which isn't that high yeah, value. Well, yeah, no, but because it was different when when like when Stu put the maize in the first time, no one had put any maize in. Mm. Everybody was using barley, throwing stick, hinge stiffy. So so he put sixty kilo of maize in. There's no danger associated with it. Mm. You just put a bright yellow bait in, in in a quantity they haven't seen probably for ten years or more or whatever because everybody was just oily fishing. How how deep was the water? Four foot. Jeez, so he's not getting plagued with bird life, I'd imagine. Um, when you've got that many hook baits, you don't. Yeah. When you've got that many freebies, it doesn't matter. You've got sixty kilo of maize. I mean, the individual food items have you got? Yeah, yeah. Also, the, the weren't the bird life's only come back recently, but they, they weren't. You're at a swan depth in about well, about four and a half foot, five foot maybe. You, for me, though, for me, sorry, I'm taking off on tangents, but for me, you just don't know if a bird has gone down, picked it up, spat it out, and you are there with a bare fucking hook. And no, but know. it's just probability, isn't it? If you've got yeah. sixty kilo of maize with, I know, I know, sixty thousand food items. I get the it. Probability of you getting picked up is, 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 I mean, we've all got tufty torches now. We didn't then. Well, it's just it's just a numbers game. You not get also there, there were only two coots on the lake then, and the swans when the water's up, the swans can't reach it. So you were all right then. Recently, yeah. the, the, the tufties have been uh, not tufties. The uh, the coots have been a nightmare, and the swan the water levels down this year, and it's just three of the four swims I want to fish. You can't fish them because they're in swan depth. Mm. You know you can you can get rid of the coots with a tufty torch, but you, you can't. The, the swans just they're just dumb. <laughs> you just upend and clean you out. You're just going to hook them up. So, so literally, three of the three of the four swims I want to fish at the moment, I can't fish because the water's just over two foot down. Mm. So you've you've got three foot now. Three three of the best swims on the lake, you've got three foot at the moment. I like them. So they're just knackered. How, what's the deepest part of Acton? Uh, the dam ends about. On the top lake, it's, you've probably got about nine, ten foot on the dam end. It's probably down to about six and a half, seven now. Mm. So it's not deep by any stretch of imagination. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the bird life is that's something else people got to look at. Like my golden, my golden bait and maze is not the one for those three swims at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Do do you do you do anything when bird life's prevalent or not? Um, well, basically, I'm not fishing in, in that, that. I won't fish those three swims at the moment because I'm using a, a visually attractive. The whole my whole approach is to use a visually attractive bait. So there's, there's only sort of the swims in the deep. Conker's got enough depth to be out of the way of, of the swans and the the, the, the coots. You get tufty torch and they're off. Um, and any of the deeper water, you say because the swans can't reach it, and, and the tufties and the coots, you just you just torch them. Just sit there and zap them with a torch, and then they're gone. So bird life isn't a problem apart from when you when you've got three foot with the swans. Mm. Yeah, and the swans are just a, the same thing. When I, when I was on Nipson, I had to find a spot which was out. The swans were literally nesting three rod lengths behind the spot, my banker spot. So I had to I had to make sure I had four and I, 
you know, four and three quarter foot, so then it couldn't get down to milk bait. But I actually, I lost a really good fish on Nixon when the swans were swimming over my spot with signets, and I got a take. And the swan attacked the carp that I was playing in four and a half foot of water. So say, say that again, the swan attacked the carp. Why? I, I had a solid bag on my spot, yeah, 15 yeah. rats, four and three quarter foot of water. I got the take as the swan was swimming over the spot with signets. Mm. So I've I've looked at I picked yeah. the rod up and yeah. the swan attacks the carp because the carp's doing cartwheels underneath. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. If it's got signets, that yeah, that would explain it. And I lost the, the hook pulled, mm. but it attacked the carp. <laughs> That's bird life for you. Yeah. And that was one of the only daytime bites ever, which was mental because all the rest of them were coming at half three in the morning. Why do you think that is? Uh dissolved oxygen? I think that was just the patrol route at that time. I think I think they went down the lake in the day into the deeper water, and I think, well, the reason I chose that swim was because I got my ticket in December 2014, um, and I started fishing it in March 2015, and my for the spring I thought they're going to come up to this bay to spawn. So, so I thought, well, they'll start mooching about here. As soon as the water starts warming up, they'll be mooching about because this is where they're going to spawn. So that was my thinking. To, to... And the other thing, the car park end, everybody was fishing those swims. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to get anything going there because where the, the lodge was and, and the car park, then those were the popular swims. So I thought, when I walked around with Anthony in 2014, he took us around the lake. And as soon as I stood in this swim, I thought, this is a spring swim. Oh, this is what I'm going to do. So do people in different swims get bites in the day or is it mostly at yeah, night? Yeah, well, they'll get them at different times on it, yeah. Mm. They'll certainly get them, you know. So it's like, it's like on um, Acton Lower. I've, I've not done much time on Acton Lower because I've been, I've been concentrating on the top lake, but, but like certainly in, I go down late autumn normally and have a bash. And there's, there's one swim called First Road on the dam. And before he put all the extra stockies in, bite time was like 11 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. And by and large, if you hadn't had a bite by 2.30 a.m., that was it till the next night because they went back up the lake. And, and, and then a swim at the other end of Lake Pontoon, I fished it a few times in the spring, 7 a.m. Or late afternoon when they went back down the lake, Either come back up the lake at seven, you know, first light seven o'clock in the spring, and you, you get a bite. Then that was a good time for the bite. This is before they put the stocky down. This is more competition now. And then you'd get them coming back out of the shallow. They go up in the shallows in the day, and then they they move back down the lake. So you could get them late afternoon after tea, you know, going back down. And it was just it was just the, the movements of the fish. Whereas the top lake, they, they don't tend. To, they do move up and down the lake, but they tend to be where they are in the lake, depending on um, everything from from air pressure, temps. But also, one of the big factors is bloodworm. Gone. You can have a, you can have a mega high pressure, and they'll be in the deeper water if there's bloodworm coming off. Like September, October, you can have a mega high pressure, and you'd expect them to be up in the shallows. Can be a su- really sunny day. You think, oh, 
bang on to the shadows. The wind can be hacking up on a southeasterly. Nice warm wind. You think I'll be all over the shallows. They're not going to keep what a smash in the bloodworm. Mm. And then conversely, you've been on the back of the wind, smashing bloodworm in the shallows because because you, the hatches seem to come off in different depths of water in different you know they come out sequentially. Sometimes you know it'll come off come off first in the shallows or sometimes I don't know I don't know the, the life cycle of it in terms of temperature but sometimes it seems to be they come like the bottom third of the lake the, the, the pile of bloodworm and that's where all the fish are you, you don't know till you wake up in the morning and it looks like a cauldron in the middle of the lake and obviously you're, you're set up somewhere else just looking and thinking well I dropped a ball there <laughs> hmm. but it's um, I mean in 2018 before you put many stockies in, it was just you couldn't predict them off the weather. Like normally, you've got a good idea where they should be. You can usually see them. They're showing, and it's catching was a, was a different matter before 2018. But in 2018, there were some mad hatches in August, September, and they would just they'd be on a hatch for like 12 hours, and then they'd move off. So you couldn't even you could run around the lake and not keep up with them. It was just a just mental move. I've never, he's never done that before or since. But it was just, just smashing spots of bloodworm, and then they'd be off. I moved I, when I did my week in 2018. I moved five times to try and keep up with them. I turned up on a massive, so big, low pressure in. It was the September, one of the moon phases in September. Big low pressure, new wind, warm wind. I went right on the end of it. Big waves coming in, thought sweet. They make they make messages me. He said, mate, they're all over the shallows. So so I, I barred my week's worth of gear around to the shallows, set up. He had fish all over him, couldn't didn't catch anything. I set up in the shallows, didn't catch anything. The next morning they were in Oak. So I moved to Oak, set up on them. I had I had the car crash which was my PB. And then next minute, they're all dipped back down the dam, smashing the dam. Mm. So then I did two days in Oak, all the fish were down the dam. My mate, when he left, um, he was in Sandy, which is on the dam, he left. So I moved down to Sandy, set up. By the time I set up, they were back up the lake again mm. on another hatch. So it was just, it was just, a, you just could not compete with, with the natural food. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying about food value. You, you, when you've got pressured fish in a rich lake, which don't really need to eat bait, then food value is important for pressured fish. You know, um, it's like, it's like um, the Randall, which is the biggest fish in Acton on the lower lake. The, the lower rarely spawns spawns. Back in the day, way before I joined, like in the late, in the 90s, it had 250-pound commons in it in the lower, which for the 90s was just mental. And the who's who of the carp world fished it. But basically, once those two fish disappeared, the lower didn't see a lot of pressure. And the Randall has held upper 40s on mainly naturals. It was always like 46 to 48 and, and there was hardly any bait going in the lower because there was only sort of 15 originals in and, and then a few stockies. So it wasn't really getting 
Like when I joined Acton, there were probably eighteen forties in the top lake, and three and three in the lower. But people, you know, of the, of the sort of, I reckon there were thirty to thirty-five fish over thirty-five pound in Acton when I joined. Which for, for someone from from where I'm from, that's just absolutely mental. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Yeah, you know. So so the lower just people were just driving straight past it. One of the most beautiful lakes you've ever seen. It's got a castle in the background. It's just. Just a beautiful lake, and everybody was driving past to get to the top lake. Mm. So, so all the lower, the, the lower fish were just literally surviving on naturals, and this this thirty odd year old fish was holding its upper forty weight just on what was in the lake. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I do not you know? doubt it. So then, if, if you're flicking flicking bait at, at that that fish, then and it's a pressured fish, then then I think to some extent, especially with mirrors. That, that food value really helps. Psst. If you're still here and you happen to be listening on the Apple Podcast app or Apple iTunes, please take a few moments, leave me a review, let me know how we're doing with this podcast. A, it's really nice to hear from you, and B, it helps this podcast stay relevant and stay in the ratings. If it doesn't stay in the ratings, it falls behind, um, people don't listen to it, and obviously that means there's not much point me doing it anymore. So if you can take a moment to leave me a review, I'd really appreciate it. If you're not listening on an Apple device, I don't think you can leave us a review, unless there's some means that I'm not aware of, um, but nonetheless i appreciate you listening it does mean a lot to me and uh, yeah feel free to to reach out on social media that's it i look forward to bringing the next episode to you very soon